This is the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live, the show where you can control the show by calling in at any time at 603-435-1105. This is your host, Dilbert. And Ryder. And Stephanie. So uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about Obama awarding the Presidential Medal of Freedom to George H.W. Bush. Uh, yeah. Freedom? <laughs> and uh, that'll be interesting. Um, we're also going to talk about information overload. We're going to talk about things that you wouldn't believe brainwash elections, election voters. Mm. Uh, we're going to talk about nonviolent communication. And we're going to talk about, um, going to, you know, Christmas is coming up and there's always the infamous Christmas, the, the war on Christmas. So we're going to talk a little bit about the war on Christmas and the broader context of, <laughs> of, peop- of Christians who feel like they're under attack. So those are some things we're going to talk about. So, the, mm. so, so Obama awarded the presidential Medal of Freedom to George H.W. Bush. That's the older Bush, not the more recent right. president, the, the, for, the former president. Bush's dad. Mm-hmm. So um, has anyone heard about this? No, I did not hear. I didn't hear about it until uh, a couple minutes ago, when I, when I saw the news story up in your screen. Well, I'm trying to find information, and I haven't um, been that successful so far. So, if there are any callers who know more about this, I would encourage you to call in at six zero three four three five eleven zero five. But I'm curious. I, I still don't really know in detail why. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna talk about it in a moment, and there's a little bit of a. Uh, there's a little bit of talk about that, but it, but they don't give much information as to like did if he explained why that he thought that Bush was uh, worthy of getting the Congressional it, Medal of Freedom. But it sounds like from I just browsed this article really quickly, and it, it, like the only real information I could see about it was that um, a few days before Obama had like uh, yeah. I'm sorry Bush had mentioned Obama in a favorable way. Okay, let me read the article because <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna yeah. address that, but that's obviously you know. That that that's a, that's not the I, I'd expect a cover story, right? That right. seems to be the what everyone's. So President Obama dropped the bipartisan bombshell today, announcing he will award the the Presidential Medal of Freedom next year to ex President George H W Bush. The magnanimous gesture of bestowing the nation's highest civilian honor to the forty first U S President came a day after ex President George W Bush gave a respectful nod to Obama at the groundbreaking of his library in Dallas. Now this time they meant, they said George W Bush, so I think that's. The more recent. Oh, so it wasn't even who said the guy that. who got the award. It was H.W. I, that I <laughs> got the award, but it was W. that mentioned Obama. This just shows that they're all on the same team. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Right? You know, and there's all those pictures of merged Bush and Obama hardly, you know, yes. into one entity. It looks like uh, halfway in between the two and you can't tell which one it is. Yeah. That's, or that's, Darth Vader with the half. Very of reminiscent of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The decisions of governing are on another president's desk, and he deserves to make them without criticism from me, Bush said, at the site of his future library at Southern Methodist University. NBA Hall of Famer Bill Russett, St. Louis Baseball Hall of Famer Stan Musial, cellist Yo-Yo Mama, German... Yo-Yo Mama? Yeah, I know. Uh, German Chancellor Angela (laughs) Merkel and Wall Street wizard Warren Buffett. Top the list of scholars, athletes, artists, achievers, and do-gooders who will present who will be presented the award at a White House ceremony early next year. How many of these does, do they get to sign out, uh, give out as many as they want? I I don't know, but do-gooders really describe like that's Walter Block's term. Have you ever heard him use that? Uh, no. Well, he uses do-gooders in the sense of like people who are trying to maybe have good intentions but are trying to control others' lives. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever I hear that term to do-gooders, I think of that. 
just yeah, kind of busy I, it bodies. sounds too pleasant for that kind of person because that sounds tyrannical to me and and yeah, yeah but I, I I hear you yeah well it's uh, I it's, mean it's, it's called, all the pretense of of doing good of course it's called the medal of freedom but have any of these people really done anything for freedom I mean if you're going to give the medal of freedom to someone like maybe okay Gandhi or <laughs> I don't yeah. know, someone who's actually done something for freedom but well now did you say that the article leaves us to to wonder why uh, the medal was given out to this particular well, person, I think I, I I wonder what the cover story is. Like I wonder maybe maybe is that is that going to be something? I guess maybe it hasn't been given out yet. So maybe when it's given out, we'll hear the story about why he thinks he's worthy of it. Maybe he's not going to talk about that now. I guess I don't know. he he just announced like, that he was going to give it to him. He didn't actually award it. Right. Yet. Yeah. Well, so here, so here, what here, is it about his presidency? I wonder that he thinks is worthy of the of the medal of freedom. Is, is right. H W Bush the last um the oldest living? A former president? Like, is there a president before him that's still alive? I don't. Oh, let's 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 um, think about that. Before him, it would be Reagan. Uh, Reagan right? is, is Reagan is, is dead. Passed. Yeah. Um, so this is the oldest one. So maybe it's one of those things where you you give it to the president who's closest to. Wait, is know. Carter dead? Uh, I think I he's still think alive. Dead. Yeah, I Carter's think, not dead. No, I think he's still alive. Oh. That throws my theory out the window then. Yeah, I don't nice know. Nice try. I, maybe like, what, like, you get it for being old? I don't know. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you get, oh, you, you'd get it for serving the country, and they want to get it in, obviously, before oh. he gets before like, he gets it, to the sickness the, uh, that debilitates him. Maybe he's just doing it to show that in he's In the picture, like, he looks like he's kicking. He doesn't look... Mm-hmm. He, doesn't look un, he, doesn't, he looks like he's doing pretty good. Do, well, you, do you guys remember that ad? There was some... Like an ad or a video or some something that they did where it was like... Uh, H.W. And, and Clinton, right? And they were doing something together and they were talking about, you know, they were all buddy-buddy and they're playing yeah. golf together. Do you remember what that? They, what was that I don't about? remember. Maybe someone could call in and, and refresh our memory. But it, okay. when I saw, I remember like a lot of people commented when they saw that, that it was just really obvious how they were both on the same team and they <laughs> were like... <laughs> They would say all this rhetoric that like it's that just was a big game, you know. Oh, we just yeah. we fight, but it's like a baseball game, you know. We, we're in yeah. the end, we're we're you know we're good sports. I'm like no, no, people's lives are at stake here. Yeah, like like what you guys are playing games with people's lives. It's it, and and then they act like it's and this trivial people's thing. money and destroying yeah. people's businesses. Yeah, it's not funny. I mean. it, it is disturbing that and all of a sudden they're buddy buddy. Like you know you, yeah. the the people who like got involved with this game were really gung ho about that they were really terrified about whatever issue it is that scares them you know well it reminds me of of going to court the judges and and both um, attorneys you know for both sides the prosecutor and the defense if they're all members of the bar they're usually really uh friendly to each other before and after trial i've had i've had lawyers tell me that before they're all going out for drinks afterwards they're all friends they all know each other yeah and they get to go home where the person who was uh, on the defense stand either goes to jail or or whatever right yeah it's the same way with these politicians right they get they get Really nice bennies for the rest of their lives for these for this for the supposed you know people look at them as heroes as like self sacrificing heroes that are like putting oh, yeah. their lives just and everything but you know they get they get fame they feel powerful and important they get the benefits at taxpayer expense pretty tremendous benefits at taxpayer expense especially president level yeah and, well I mean not I, I think the former president's probably the biggest benefits they get is like speaking fees and book deals yeah. and stuff like that but they yeah. still do get a All lot benefits. of that, that, a yeah, lot that of overwhelms financially speaking that overwhelms what they're getting in terms of like a salary their salary yeah. really isn't that their own much. personal right. security team for the rest of their life doesn't they, hurt either right they have uh, security, yes, security for, <laughs> for the rest of their lives they have uh, all kinds of bills, like almost all their any kind of expenses and everything, all paid, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff like that that people don't know about. On top of like the salary, which is you know 
the, yeah. the salary compared to like a CEO of a big company is is really pit, is really small, but right. obviously the French so, benefits are huge. <laughs> so these, so that I just read that list of other people who are getting uh, presidential medals of honor in, in in the upcoming year, and it says uh, these outstanding honorees come from a broad range of backgrounds, and they've excelled in a broad range of fields. But all of them have lived extraordinary lives that have inspired us, enriched our culture, and made our country and our world a better place. It's not me talking. I'm reading the article. <laughs> so I look Obama. forward to awarding them this honor, Obama said. So uh, the rest of the list includes civil rights activists. Here's some more. Oh, my God. He gets to hand out a lot of these. Uh, Representative. <laughs> oh, wait. Well, the previous ones were former recipients, right? And then no. The- oh, wait. No. Uh no, no, those are people coming up. Oh, oh, okay. They are, will be presented the oh, award wow. at a White House ceremony early wow. next year. It's like if they drop enough names in this article, then people won't wonder, like, like the article, it, the tagline is... Most people uh, aren't even going to hear about it or care, really, it, I think. That's true, that's true. So, but, but the other ones are just distracted by all the name dropping. <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. The rest of the list includes civil rights activist Representative John Lewis, Democrat in Georgia, environmentalist John H. Adams, poet Maya Angelou, Holocaust survivor... Gerda Weissman Klein, optometrist murdered by the Taliban, Dr. Tom Little, civil rights activist Sylvia Mendez, disabled rights advocate Ambassador Gene Kennedy Smith, and former AFL CIO President John J. Sweeney. Well, it's it's too bad because some of those people on that list might actually deserve an award, especially people who are who are fighting for civil rights. And I always find it curious when the government recognizes people who fought previously against the government for civil rights. It's the yeah. same government, yeah. and now they're saying, <laughs> they're saying thank you for fighting back then. But, but do it now, and you'll, you know, you're a terrorist. Exactly. Right. Yeah, uh, if you know more about this Medal of Freedom and why he's given it, or if you have something else you'd like to talk about, call 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. One of the many imaginative graphic novels from BigHeadPress.com is... Odysseus the Rebel, a new twist on an old story. This is not your daddy's Odysseus. BigHeadPress.com will help you spark imaginations and free minds with their enjoyable webcomics and graphic novels. Beautifully illustrated, inspirational stories will make your holiday gift-giving a mind-free experience that will be appreciated and enjoyed. Sample Odysseus the Rebel online before you buy at BigHeadPress.com. This is the Sunday edition, internet only, of Free Talk Live. Uh, you can uh, you can check on the website, freetalklive.com, where there are all kinds of features available to you that you get charged for on other shows, but they're uh, for that's free on Free Talk Live. So check that out. Hey, everybody, go to english.freetalklive.com if you would like to make 20 to $30 an hour all online from your home. You'll be conducting English conversations on Skype with folks from other countries, like Japan, for example. So get this. They will pay you handsomely to help keep their already learned English up. Let's say Kaiko from Japan knows that if she doesn't use it, she will lose it. She needs you for your natural English speaking gift. So get the ebook and discover how to find these passionate people who will pay to talk to you on Skype. So check out English.freetalklive.com and start your own online English conversation business. That's english.freetalklive.com. You'll love yourself for it. So this is your host, Delbert. And Ryder. And Stephanie. So we were recently just talking about 
President Obama planning to announcing that he's going to award the Presidential Medal of Honor to George H.W. Bush, along with a whole bunch of other people. For an unbeknownst reason. <laughs> for an unbeknownst reason. So maybe he just hasn't, has, hasn't decided to announce the reason yet, and he's going to expound on that when the award is given. But yes. I'm kind of curious if anyone has found it, has gotten any information about that. Oh, what's our number? We should... Did we the, get number the number is 603-435-1105. Thank you for reminding me. Sure, sure. And uh, Nick, you were going to tell us a little bit about the website. On, on freetalklive.com, you can find up to, it's over a year worth of archives, I believe, although the top, uh, the next last six days are on the top of the website. And uh, many sites, Dr. Laura, Rush Limbaugh, you're going to be paying a monthly fee to download those. But freetalklive.com, they are all free and they're posted daily. Uh, so go ahead and grab those. You can go way back in the archive, actually, without with very little trouble. It's a nice interface. And make sure you check out the Friday shows, because I'm on those shows. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you can go back in time for years. <laughs> I know people have said, like, they listen to years' worth of the archives. That is uh, <laughs> that is quite a feat. Uh, I've kind of been listening as time has gone on, but uh, been a Free Talk Live listener for a long time. So it's nice to be uh, appearing. <laughs> and thank, yeah. you, thank you, Dale, for inviting me down. Oh, it's always great to have you. Yeah. So... Uh, again, you can call in 603-435-1105. Uh, I mentioned earlier we were going to talk about the that Christmas is coming up and the war on Christmas is Ugh. a big topic on a lot of radio stations and our, and our resident Nick Christian, grunting. Nick, uh, <laughs> Nick Ryder, uh, who, Ryder, excuse me. <laughs> That's is, fine. My first name's is Nick. Groaning. Everyone knows that. Yeah. So, yeah, I know you're going by Ryder, so. Just for name recognition purposes. Okay. So what was the groan for when we mentioned the war on Christmas? Oh, it's just one of the most annoying things I, I hear about every year. Um, just oversensitive people going into a mall and seeing a Christmas tree and deciding that they've got to lodge a complaint against the mall just for that. Uh, yeah. It's private property, which is obviously the most important point. It's private property. You know, if you don't like the tree, don't go in there. The second point is just I think people need to be a little less oversensitive about certain things. Well, that's certainly true. I mean, if, especially if you're talking about private property and someone's people are selling, you know, Christmas stuff. And, and if you're selling Christmas stuff, then you want to promote your Christmas stuff. So it makes sense to have a tree up. Well, what do they want? And yeah. They want everyone you know. to say happy uh, generic holiday um, in whatever month you them, celebrate it. Like some well, of the stores actually do tell their employees to say happy holidays or uh, that's something. That's the thing. A lot of stores. What about the people? The people who are saying happy holidays. I wonder how much of that is just being being scared you're going to offend someone right and how much of that is actually trying to reach broader right people who some of a lot more a lot a lot of whom are becoming are are, are less inclined to say celebrate christmas well happy yeah. holidays is one thing merry christmas versus happy holidays that's one thing but then getting upset about a christmas tree or a star which can be related to christmas uh, or yeah, an absolutely. angel that can be related to Christmas. Some people get offended by happy holidays, though, because well, they're like, which oh, was my well, other point. Like, are people gonna, here's a thought. I mean, are you going to be offended that they have uh, Christmas trees and things like that when a lot of people want to buy Christmas trees right. to celebrate Christmas and it's a store that's trying to make money? So how are they going to do that if they can't even, you know, if they're going to get in trouble just for having a Christmas tree or get someone upset just for having a Christmas tree. That's definitely ridiculous. Right. So did they you have, have to have a, dance Did you have a new it? story about this or did you want me to just rant about it? Just rant about it. <laughs> I, 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 I can find rant. a new story about it if you want, but you know, we, we, we well, you brought it up and I immediately started ranting. So I didn't know if you oh, had no, that's great. That that's, you wanted to go that's into. great that you started ranting. I mean, because it gives your, you know, that's what you're here for. It is, <laughs> so to speak, in a manner of speaking. Uh, sort of. Well, it, it is, like I said, it is just ridiculous. Um, getting oversensitive about certain things like that. I think everyone needs to let go, live their own 
life. And if you get told Merry Christmas or happy, you know, Jewish holiday. Well, sure. I mean, I would, I kind of expect people to, to say, <laughs> you know, if they're, if, if, if they celebrate Christmas themselves, I expect them to say Merry Christmas, you know, and, and, you know, yeah, I, ha- um, I have to say, like, I guess I come from sort of a, a unusual or minority perspective on this, because when I was growing up, um, my mother was Jewish and she raised me Jewish. And so we never like we kind of celebrated Christmas a little bit in my house because my dad wanted to celebrate it. But it was just superficial, like it was a tree and presents. There was no religion involved. And we never really like valued it, I guess, as much as other people do. You, but you called it Christmas and everything? Or? We called it Christmas, but like uh, our family would say happy holidays or happy new year to people. They okay. would never really say, they wouldn't say happy Hanukkah. But uh, of course, in, in Israel or like the people who are hardcore Jews, I guess, Hanukkah isn't even really a, a big holiday. It's just a big deal in America because it's basically uh, competing with Christmas. I wonder so, if anybody's upset about about the fact that some stores are not saying Christmas now and they're saying Happy Holidays. And oh, all I, sorts of people are upset. Yeah, yeah. I, the I people. Where... I think it's probably the people who celebrate Christmas and are you know. Well, think but that being is that so bad or... if a store wants to wants to do that because there are a lot of there are a lot of Jewish people there are a lot of people who don't celebrate Christmas for one reason or another. Or hell, what about the atheists? Do... I mean, that which is where I count myself now. I mean, right? Or, yeah, that too. Just maybe <laughs> yeah. people just you know they don't. If they if they want to keep it broader for people, I mean that's nothing to get upset about, is it? Yeah, you, I don't really care either way. I, I mean, it, it I don't care. Bug me. But if you go to some of the hardcore uh, churches around here, you will find people, especially in the older crowd, because they're used to being back in the day when they was Merry Christmas all over the place. Uh, they will make a point of even to the point of you know making sure they say Merry Christmas to uh, store workers that say Happy Holidays. Yeah, I, I've yeah. seen that. I've yeah, seen I've seen that, that too. Sound, reminds me of like someone going out <laughs> like, past a smoker and coughing. Well, and that's they, that's typical. I think the older it's a generation wanting, to, yeah, you know, the older generation wanting to keep kind of keep this the culture, the you know, the culture there that that they're used to. They're trying to keep it and not they not see it change. But the yeah. truth is, there are. I think I'm almost certain there are a lot less Christians now proportionately than there were. Maybe right. 10, 20 years ago. Maybe, yeah. I mean, every 10 years, there's this, um, the survey that is done by, I forget who does it, but they do this like uh, t- every 10 years, um, a survey about religion in America. And the results that come out are, are very interesting. Every year, the proportion of theists goes down. And uh, the proportion of people who yes, identify as religious but aren't actively practicing a religion uh, kind of goes up too. And so, okay. you know, maybe a lot of people identify as as a Christian or a religious, some sect of Christianity. But uh, how many of those are actually really active, especially in areas like up here in New Hampshire? I mean, maybe down in the south, it's different. But yeah, you know, yeah. So, um, so we're going to talk about this in the sort of the broader context. If you feel like, so I guess the question is, uh, if you're if you're if you're a Christian or or if you're not, if you want to call in about this, six zero three four three five eleven zero five. Do you feel like Christians are oppressed or suppressed in some way? Uh, whether that's legally or just sort of culturally and the way people talk to them. Call in. This is Free Talk Live. This is the Sunday edition of Free Talk Live, the show where you can take control by calling in. Call in at 603-435-1105. We were just talking about... The war on Christmas and the broader context about about uh, whether Christians are oppressed in the in and I guess in this country because that's what we're familiar with. This is your host Dale Burke. Ryder. 
And Stephanie, wow, that was so perfectly executed. <laughs> so again, if you have a, if you have thoughts on this, call in at 603-435-1105. So, um, but yeah, so then I guess the thing that I think about is there's the guys who say, if someone says happy holidays and, and Nick and, uh, and Ryder was saying that, uh, someone snaps back at him, Merry Christmas. So I think that's a little passive that, aggressive. Kind of, I think, well, know. I'm sure it depends how you say it. If you would say, oh, Merry Christmas, I think that would be a, yeah. a little harsher than yeah, I think how you say it. Just a passing matters. Merry Christmas. Well, we've got a caller. Let's see what they have to say about this. Okay. Caller, you are on the air with Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hi. Ray here. Uh, sorry, what was that again? That's Ray here from Washington. Ray from Washington. So Hi, what are your Ray. thoughts on this? Well, you know, here we come around that time again, and Christians are going to tell us how we're stopping them from praying, and geez, we got in God we trust on the money. Uh, you know, they got churches anywhere they want them. They don't pay no taxes. <laughs> you know, you, you guys talk about getting freedom not to pay taxes. Maybe you guys ought to become all Christians. They don't pay no taxes for their churches. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, you can well, you can get it <laughs> with any with any religion, right? You don't have to. It doesn't have to be a Christian religion. Any any uh, religion any can get a tax free status, right? You have to yeah, follow certain rules, yeah. right? You have to well, follow. I don't know. You, I don't think you can get a pot religion real quick. And get tax free status on that. <laughs> there was Someone the guy from the Liberty Dollar, right? Didn't he try, try to start the church of the marijuana in Hawaii or I something? I didn't know they were associated with the Liberty Dollar, but I heard about the. I, oh, I thought it was Bernard Monhouse or something. Or something. I, I don't know. Maybe don't quote me on that, but uh, I, I thought I remembered something. Maybe one I of our. Maybe listeners. the Rastafarians may have been able to get that thing going. But I don't think anybody else has been. They can. I, I imagine they can get the religion, but then they. But they're not going to be. Able, that's not going to. You know, let them smoke pot without facing the law, right? That's right. I mean, yeah. You know, and here, here's the other thing: is I've known people who have tried to get a religion so they can dodge the tax thing, and they don't just give them to anybody. See, you have to recognize only their God to get that thing. Uh, you yeah. don't get it just because you. You know, when we talk about God. Uh, and, and I believe me, I was baptized as a young guy and went to church with my parents and uh, it was probably next to school one of the worst experiences of my life. I just didn't like it at all. I didn't like the whole right. program of, of somebody standing there and telling you how to be good. Why I empathize with just, you, Ray. <laughs> yeah, we just be good for goodness sakes. I think there's three good people I'm staring at on this webcam. I, why do we always have to have God be the Savior? You know, God doesn't save you. You save yourself. I think that's really the bottom line. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe someone will want to call in and you sit. You save yourself from what? What do you mean by yeah, that? You, you save you yourself from. Well, you save yourself from self destruction in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, alcohol is legal, cigarettes are legal, but we're all not winos laying in the ground smoking a pack or two of cigarettes every day. You know, mm-hmm. there's right. there's things that you do to stop yourself from doing dumb things. You know, in life, but, uh, I don't think God stops you from doing that. I think one day some People who are doing dumb things wake up and decide this isn't a good idea to keep doing these dumb things. It's not. It's uh, yeah. It's kind of your a battle between immediate gratification and your long term self interest, right? Like That's the wise right. person, the wise person acknowledges that they're giving up a lot in the long term for some immediate gratification. Right. And then the right. or, or sorry, I have that backwards. The wise person recognizes not to give up something important in the long term for like smoking or something like that you know it's not that it's a, it's a, it's criminal or anything else but it does hurt you and it's not and it's also expensive and right so it takes away from things that you could have in society with the say seven dollars a pack a day or or drinking in excess going down and buying 
you know, a case of beer every day and just getting plowed. You know, right. I, and to your original point, Ray, I mean, you don't need religion to tell you that those things are bad because they're immoral or because God doesn't want you to do them. You can realize on your own that maybe they're not in your best interest. I think, see, that's right. what I think morality ought to be. It ought to be something that it should be, morality should be an understanding about, you know, what is actually good for you in the yeah, long term. Yeah, it's a rational thing you know, based what on What is actually going to make you happy in the long term, and, not just um, something that's going to satisfy you, immediately gratify you. But it's funny, you right. mentioned smoking. Uh, I know someone, you know, they've been talking about the dangers of it and there's so many health problems associated with it and the, the shorter lifespans of people who smoke versus people who don't. And so on and so forth. And what got what's got a friend of mine to quit smoking recently was the talk of impotence. <laughs> so it was like it was like yes. it was something he could see as a, having a potential effect, like a whole lot sooner, right? Like if you're, you're yeah. going to die earlier, it's one thing, and you're going to have lung cancer thirty, forty years from now. But like this is something that can be, you know, next ten, fifteen years, start to have an, an impact on his life. And he's like, ugh. That's so funny, Dale. That's my favorite thing, actually. To when I talk to people about smoking, it's my mm. favorite thing to bring up. I mean, it seems to be one of the most effective things. Yeah, and for anyone who's not, you know, who's out there listening, like it does hurt the small blood vessels in your body, and that applies to uh, men as well as women when it comes to. Uh, <laughs> those sensitive areas. Let's just put it that way. Well, oh, interesting. Well, to yeah. Stephanie and Ray about uh, living morally, and I can obviously speak from the Christian's perspective, but I think a lot of religions, living morally is is one purpose of it, but the other purpose of the religion is to look beyond the end of the life on this earth. And Christianity has that, and I, th- I think Buddhism. Well, that makes sense if you believe a lot in, of them has that. If you believe in an afterlife, it makes sense to take that into account. Sure. So Ray's point on not needing religion and Stephanie's point on not needing religion to live morally is a solid point here, but the perspective might be a little off if you're saying religious is, religion is completely useless because uh, to some people, at least they believe that there is more to it than living morally in this life. There's beyond that. Sure. I'm not, yeah, you know, the one thing about religion, I'm not saying it's totally useless, but I will tell you, I've noticed over a lifetime that the people who have came and, and said, you know, I found God and I did this, were up to that point doing some pretty not too fun things, you know, just really <laughs> messing up their lives. Yeah. And it, so here's where religion comes in useful, in my opinion. If you believe that that's what did that for you, I'm really happy because whatever it took to stop you from doing that is good with me. Yeah. Hey, have a good Sunday, guys. Thanks All right, for thanks show. for calling in, Ray. Take care, everybody. Yeah. Bye-bye. I, I have to kind of disagree with that last point. I mean, whatever it takes to get, to get oh, you to... <laughs> My fault. Whatever it takes to get you to be moral, so like, you know, the ends justify the means or something. I mean, I Nick's probably not going to be too happy when he hears this, but <laughs> I, I would... I would go so far as to say that religion can actively do harm. I mean, look at all these people who have grown up uh, raised with religion and have all these hang-ups as adults uh, from the authoritarian structure being told what to do. The fear, the fear that they put in you as a child, uh, the lies that they tell you, the sexual hang-ups that you get from being raised in religion. I mean, just, you know, if you're gay, then, you know, God doesn't like you. You're defective in some way. Mm -hmm. It's... It's you know, actively harmful. I mean, it's it's interesting you brought that up because um, recently I I, found, I had a friend of mine who's who I've known as as a as a you know Christian. Yeah. But I guess I always sort of assumed without anything to go on, he's never said anything homophobic or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still don't I don't necessarily want to call what he did say homophobic either. It's, I think that's a bit of a reach. But but I did hear recently, uh, and it's basically someone I looked up to, kind of a, 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 a you know a fan of this person who recently made a comment about not wanting to encourage 
gay weddings and mm -hmm. I don't know what other gay things that presumably wouldn't want to oh. encourage as well, but certainly expressed as sort of a negative, a, a frowning upon of the behavior, you know, not wanting to encourage that behavior. He said he doesn't want to encourage gay behavior. Well, specifically gay weddings. So I don't know what more it applies mm -hmm. to, but presumably if you want to discourage gay weddings and that, it's probably not an unreasonable conclusion that some other things too, but. But it's interesting because it wow. just kind of like knocked them down a couple of notches in my, yeah. you know, in my vision, in my, my view of them. But yeah, that's, uh, that's just so sad. I, I mean, <laughs> I, w I think the problem with Christians singling out uh, homosexuality to make it their, their point that they need to not encourage is because in the Bible, sure, it lists probably homosexuality as a sin, but it, usually it's among a list of about 10 other things, you know, people right. who are greedy, people who love money, people who, um, lust so it's it's everyone everyone is included um so in we're all sinners. sinners we should all hate ourselves we should all feel guilty <laughs> no that's not the, that's not the point <laughs> you have to it wonder sure seems point. like the point sometimes well, we'll, let, well hold that thought uh writer well, maybe we'll come back to it when we get back call in if you have some thoughts on this at 603-435-1105 this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition. Your host, Delbert. And Ryder. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> and Stephanie. So, Stephanie, tell us a little bit about the Shrine. Well, the Shrine is a cool uh, domain of freetalklive.com. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com. And uh, you can send in your picture if you're a lady listener uh, to prove that uh, you listen to the show and you appreciate us. I'm up there as well as some of my co-hosts on the She Talk Live that we do once a month here on Sundays. And uh, it's a cool way to show that um, talk radio is not just listened to by men. And there are lots of women who are participating and appreciating the show. As and well. I think that's that's a good sign for Free Talk Live, because like you said, in talk radio uh, might seem to broadly to appeal mainly to men. And so the shrine is sort of debunking that, right? Sure. So, yeah. so you send your picture along with some kind of proof that you listen to the show, like a Free Talk Live t-shirt or a sign that says Free Talk oh, Live. Oh, right. Fan. Yes, it has to be validated. Something in there to validate the picture, because you just send a picture. Anyone can send a picture of a woman. Yeah, they've had some photoshopped pictures in the past. I believe that's why they wow. do the, the validation. Right. So, And actually now, I think you can actually go and submit it um, via like an automated system. It used to be that you had to email it to Ian or something. Oh, okay. And so, but now yeah, they, it's probably got to They've streamlined it. <laughs> so you can call in about anything you like at 603-435-1105. Right now, we're going to talk to Tom from Connecticut. Tom, you're on the air. What's going on? Hi. What's on your mind? Um, I wanted to talk about uh, the harm that religion does. Okay. Well, you see, the problem with religion is that people will accept it as fact and perceive it however way they want, and they'll use it to justify whatever bad things they want to do. Yeah. So, Such as you know, wars? Their perception of it is a gradient. Yeah. So you're saying, well, see, my impression is that people have what views they have because that's what their culture they're in and that's what they're brought up to believe. And then uh, they use what, whatever religion, it doesn't have to be Christian, Christianity. I've seen them do it, Muslim and other things, is just and then go back and pick and choose like discrete passages and things out of context to support what they want to believe. And uh, and then now they're justified, right? Because they've they found something in the in their book yeah. or whatever it is. Is that what you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I can understand it. See, the, here's the thing, too, is I know that um, – uh, did you have any other thoughts on that tonight? Uh, not really. All right, thanks for calling, Tom. Uh, if anyone else want to call in about this subject, 603-435-1105, and you can uh, tell us what you think about this or bring up something else on your mind. But, but yeah, there's basically – it seems like that uh, people, people have whatever opinions they have because of their culture, and then they look to religion to justify that. So, yeah, that's not new. I mean, it's not just religion that they use to justify their own opinions. It's, uh, you know, politics or any kind of authoritative uh, sounding thing uh, that they can use to to yeah. back up things like wars and things like uh, taking money from people. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's another thing about about organized religions. You know, they have this long history. Well, Nick has a little story about war and churches supporting war. They we can get from him in a moment. Oh, we, have sure. another, we have another caller. So sure. I'm going to get the caller first. Caller, you're on the air. Who's, who's calling? Hello, caller, you're on the air. Oh, oh they got shy. Oh, well. Scared them <laughs> off. Caller, you can call back. Yeah, I'm curious to hear Nick's story about uh, Nick's story about churches supporting war. Oh, really? Well, it's it's got to be more than one story. Um, the church is just really uh, kind of made up of a lot of statists, it seems, sometimes. Um, I would say people that are brought up in the church, like uh, I think you mentioned, uh, or someone mentioned, they're brought up to believe that the way they believe is the only way that's right. And a lot of statist belief is the way I believe is the only way that's right. And I can hurt people that don't agree with me. Yeah. Right. Well, and what uh, gets it, me is that, uh, well, you mentioned the, uh, the, uh, um, a church, not on the show yet, uh, but you mentioned that there was a, a church that had a bunch of military personnel there one day and was, was right. Right, I was getting to that, and this isn't the first time it's happened. I've seen they've played videos on the on the overhead screen. Churches they have these high tech things. They'll play a video on the overhead screen of uh, a PowerPoint or not a PowerPoint, but a slideshow of military uh, members, and then some patriotic song playing behind it. And one of this past weeks, I wasn't there, but I heard that this happened. They brought up a lot of the veterans from the congregation, which is obviously made up of a lot of older people, so people from Vietnam. Um, a lot of them are probably in the congregation. They went up to the front and they played Proud to be an American over the loudspeakers. And to me, that is just so – makes no sense. Why is that part of church? Why is that part of um, the worship service that they're saying that the focus is? Why is that even – you know, worship of the state well, and worship of the military. Why is that even a part of a church service? Yeah, I agree. It, it bothers me. Just, statism. Yeah, just actually yeah. encouraging the 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 pledge of allegiance, which to me seems uh, like, and, and even I feel this way because I I have my own sort of spiritual views, right? And mm-hmm. I believe in what I, I believe in the divine, which I'm not going to go into right now, but. But, yeah, uh, why not? Because I'm kind of curious about oh, this. I think we should. It's we not have a, a god. Okay, we have a golden so, opportunity. So on I the really, show. I'm, I'm a, in a way, I'm kind of still atheist. It's you know what I what I think of as the divine uh, is not a god. That's so. what I was looking for. Um, I, I think. Well, yeah. Okay. So, anyway, go on. Go on. But I'm just I'm just gonna leave it at that for now. But but okay. what gets me is that the idea that uh, that the 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 flag is it's encouraged for people to do the pledge of allegiance to this flag, and 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 then with their hand over their heart, and that yeah. seems to me like. Oh shoot! What's the word I'm looking for now? Um, idolatry. Idolatry. Is the word you're looking Thank for. you. And yes. I have a video on my YouTube account, YouTube.com/slash/GloriousCoconut, if anyone cares. And uh, it's called "The Flag Isn't Holy." And I and I actually did a little edit. Um, speaking. I really about, like that video. I've seen it. Oh, thank yeah. you. I did a little edit about why the flag is completely uh, both anti-Christian and and sort of anti-freedom, of course. 
Uh, not just sort of, yeah. No, yeah, Yeah. not just sort of. And the biggest point is when people are teaching kids to say the pledge, it's not, they're not teaching them what this means. If you go through it and think about what it means. You're memorizing it by rote and doing it every day. And then years later, they tell you what it means. Like, oh, this is what I've been pledging to all this time. Yeah. 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 If you go through it and think about what it means, it's actually pretty scary. Uh, If you think about pledging allegiance to a flag or a republic that doesn't really care about you at all. It is scary to me, and and I wish it were scary to more people, but it's not, and uh, yeah, that's what worries me. But yeah, the whole the whole idolatry of it is what blows my mind. Is was that it, it's a, it's definitely a very worshipful act, this ritual, and um, and you're as a Christian, you're supposed to be opposed to idolatry, and I personally am opposed to idolatry in my own way. I mean, because I look at all these man-made institutions and these things. These things will always be imperfect. Uh, no other man is, is is better than you, or woman is better than you, and this um, and this idea that we, you know, we we sort of, we, but we treat them as if they're authorities that know what's right for us. And like, how can they know better what's right for you than you can know? Uh, you know, they're just human beings like you. I mean, if they were a super advanced alien race or, you know, some reason, yeah, you know, something, some justification for why we're going to trust what they tell us to do over what our own hearts tell us to do, you know. And how often do you see these authority figures just uh, abusing their power, just like they do in government? I mean, look at the sex scandals in the in the Catholic Church, the priests abusing kids, the uh, the, the priests mismanaging money like that. You know, they do all the same things that the government people do. They just abuse their power. And, you know, and some of them are very hypocritical. They'll say stuff against um, against gay people and then they'll be, uh, you know, doing that on the sly themselves. Yeah, not, I always not- wonder. <laughs> I always wonder when someone thinks that uh, when someone's saying that it's a choice, that being gay is a choice. My mind, I'm always thinking then they're gay and they're fighting it. Right. It's Absolutely. a struggle for them. Exactly. If they think it's this temptation that you gave in to, then then they're missing something because yeah. because straight people don't have that temptation over them all the time. Yeah, <laughs> to exactly. Be gay. If they're saying like, oh, it's oh, you're you're making a choice, you're choosing an immoral lifestyle. Well, like, why they're would either anyone... gay or bi in my mind. Yeah. If that's why they, I mean, how else can you think that if you if exactly. it was so natural for you to be to be straight? Right. So. Then they would just fall back on the unnatural argument, like, oh, well, I, I don't understand how anyone could feel attracted to the same sex because it's not natural. Well, well, you then know. you're saying it's not a choice. You're back to yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, back yeah. to admitting this that it's not a choice. Yeah. So whatever. And I mean, not, whether it is a choice or not, I don't, I don't buy into the the nonsense. And, no, and, and, no. and, you know, as far as my friend who I found out, who's a Christian, who I found out frowned upon the behavior, specifically in this case, gay marriage, presumably other things too. That's very uh, that unfortunate, are related. Dale, um, by the way. The, yeah, well. That, that kind of changes my pers- well, opinion and, you know, of so, that person too. Well, actually. the thing is, if someone says that and, and people say, well, but he's not using force on anyone to make them share his beliefs or anything. And that's right. And I'm not using force to express my opinion of that belief either. Right. So it's like you shouldn't be beyond credit. This, I think this is what gets me. Like, the, the, if Christians, if they feel suppressed in some way, it's because they, you know, they, they, if someone says, you know, you have an unreasonable, what I consider to be an unreasonable opinion, now justify it. And if they can't justify it, then, uh, you know, or it's, it's like just because someone's critical of what you have to say or, or critical of your beliefs, that's, that's free speech. That's life. And, you know, as long as they're not using force either, then that's completely legitimate. you're going to be subject to criticism for your beliefs and well and it almost it almost assumes that all these things are just relative like you know all these opinions are equally valid but no some of them are based on facts and some of them are actually true society is doomed if all opinions are equally valid no matter what (laughs) uh, you can call in at 603-435-1105 we've got a lot more coming up in the next hour this is free talk live 
This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition. This is your host, Delbert. Ryder. And Stephanie. You can call anytime you like, 603-435-1105. If you are, uh, depending on how you're listening to the show right now, this is an internet-only edition, so you're listening to some sort of streaming version. Another option that you may not be aware of is the webcam. We have a live webcam during the show. Hi. Cam.free. <laughs> this way, actually. But <laughs> That's what she was doing. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought she was waving at me. Um, cam.freetalklive.com. You can watch the show and hear the, the fat. It's actually the fastest stream, too, the most up to date stream. Uh, it's, it's uh, I think, a, less of a delay in the cam. So uh, if someone actually slips and curses on the air or something like that, you'll probably hear it before they can bleep it out on the cam. You'll be but, the first <laughs> to know. That's right. But you can also watch us doing um, really boring things here in the in the studio while we're doing the show. So, um, again, cam.freetalklive.com. We've got a call from Adam in Canada. Adam, you are on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, Dale. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Rick James, bitch. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about those FEMA clergy response teams they had and ask if you knew about them, too. The FEMA clergy response? I did not know about this. This is a FEMA? Well, that's probably why they have all this Americana and the churches there celebrating war. Um it's a program that was started a few years ago, about half a decade ago, and then quickly ballooned to a double in size. And uh, several years ago, it was at 35,000 uh, estimated priests participating in American churches across the country. Uh, this is why they were preaching in uh, New Orleans churches to give up your guns and go to the Superdome. And uh, it's, it's basically, that's what they're there for. They're there to uh, tell people that, that, to cite that verse from Romans that says the law of man is bigger than the law of God and all that stuff. Wow. Uh, which wow. wasn't in the original Bible. Yeah, feds trained clergy to... The logic and sodomy weren't in the original Bible either. That was just to persecute high Templar. But um, there's a lot of stuff that wasn't in the original Bible that causes a lot of the bad stuff. The the original book is pretty good, actually, but it's not available anymore. Yeah, It wasn't legal until they changed it all. Well, well, this story is from 2007. uh, the clergy response teams are being trained by the federal government to quell dissent and pacify citizens to obey the government in the event of a declaration of martial law. Now, this is from PrisonPlanet.com, so you're gonna. This is gonna have a little bit of a, a yeah, police a state objective, twist on it. Objective news source. <laughs> but this is the first thing that came up when I Googled uh, the female clergy response team. So, is that what yeah, you're talking about? The first, that's the first thing I thought about when I heard about, um, you know, military and being. Play it on projectors in churches. It sounds a lot like a. I don't. I don't think a JC would be very happy about that. Well, I, yeah, it doesn't seem like it. It's just. Oh, I mean, uh, I don't have a hard time believing that. Um, you know, the government would want to harness that power that sort of clergy have over their congregations to get people to well, in a time be of obedient. Law, in a time of national emergency, I mean, people are very. It's a dangerous time to be alive. People are worried they might die, and it's a time where you have to ask yourself, "Am I going to go to heaven or hell?" And people are going to say, you, you ought to do what the cops say, or go to hell. Okay, yes, sir. Wow. And that's where the power of the uh, movement comes from. Uh, just, you know, I was wondering if you knew about that or not when I heard you discussing it. No, I, I've never heard about it, but it, 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 the problem with the leaders of the churches are, uh, in the Bible, the government was almost always the bad guy. Paul wrote his a lot of his letters from jail. Jesus was, of course, executed by the government. Uh, but nowadays, it seems like America's the greatest, America's the freest, and the churches are behind it. They're one of the most nationalistic organizations I've seen or been a part of. It's kind of sad. Yeah, uh, you know, presumably people came to this country for freedom of religion, but um, really at the time it was freedom to practice, to practice their particular religion, and they, they didn't necessarily, it was for, certain, I guess certain founding fathers 
did actually try to push that to the level of really truly respecting all, you know, allowing people to worship as they please. But uh, apparently, a lot of the colonists that moved here for freedom of religion wanted to come here and just have their religion and start a society that used that had their religion. Right? Wasn't Rhode Island like a colony where Quakers were banished because they were Quakers or something like that? Well, yeah. I'm still I'm still catching up on my on my history of Quakers. I just read about Quakers in the English Revolution, so I haven't read much about mm-hmm. the Quakers in America yet. But I'm, that'll be my you know a big reading project for me coming up. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, certainly there was a lot of that, and Quakers were really um. You know, back in the English Revolution, they were against, they were pushing against tithing, which was the only thing, mm-hmm. the closest thing to a tax at the time. You were required right. to tithe to the church, and and you could be fined for not going to church. And Quaker churches Oof. didn't count, so Quakers yeah. had to go to another church. Uh, well, got some echo. Wow. There's a little bit of feedback going on. Do you, <laughs> Do you have a radio on? Adam? Uh, no, sir. But I'm glad we could talk about that. Thanks for taking my call. All right, thanks, Adam. Yeah. You have to press that button really hard. You know, <laughs> get a hangnail from that thing. No, oh, Dale. <laughs> it's, it's I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like whenever I think about freedom of religion, I always think of, um, you know, if you if you go to an adult who's like devoutly religious in a certain faith, and then you tell them the stories of other religions, like you know, people came here in a boat from Israel, Mormonism, or you know, yeah. <laughs> or like there's you know, there's a god of destruction with five different arms and whatever Hinduism, you know, they'll say, oh, that's ridiculous, that's totally absurd, you know, but mm. but yet their stories are right and true. And yeah. well, if you have a thought on this, call in at six zero three four three five eleven zero five. And my thought on it, well, a lot of my friends who are Christian are they're 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 pretty smart people. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I probably wouldn't associate with them if they weren't, but. Uh, and, and, and usually like, you know, they're, they're progressive in the areas where I feel like people are, uh, well, then I know the word progressive is probably going to be not a very, a lot of people aren't going to like that word because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you could, I guess, progress in a bad direction or something. <laughs> um, yeah. but, um, it seems, ooh, it, I accidentally, caller, I just dropped someone. <laughs> I was trying to put you on hold. Uh, if you were recently trying to get through, uh, try back and we will let you through this time. Sorry about that. Um, uh, but yeah, so so, you know, they seem pretty progressive in the areas that, that seem to matter, you know, where, where otherwise I would say, you know, Christians seem in general kind of backwards on like on 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 gay rights and Gays, things like that, yeah. or gay people and, and stuff like that. But um, but always it still worries me because, like, it, you know, if you're making exceptions for that, like, what are you how are you deciding what to what to take as true and what not to take? What does your religion come from? And how do I you think decide so much it? of it is just how you're getting it from they the were. Bible or not? And. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, like oh, so much of it is wow, just... Christmas tree. We got a lot of calls. Oh, okay. I'll continue that later. Uh, yeah, uh, just one moment. Let's see. You want me to finish my thought, Dale? Or, or do you need Stephanie to run this one hung up? So go ahead and finish your call. <laughs> finish your thought. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I think a lot of it is just how how early people are exposed to things. I mean, people will believe. Uh, people are are more susceptible to certain beliefs uh, being uh, taking root in their mind, if you will. Yeah. When, before they, they hear time them critically analyze when they're it, young. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I just, I just remember hearing a lot of, uh, a lot of mythology when I was younger and just taking it as absolute truth. Okay. Wow. We have so we've many got, calls. We've got, uh, we got a lot of people. We're going to get to them. If you'll be, if you'll just be patient, if you're waiting now to, to, to speak, we're going to get to you. I like it when this happens. <laughs> and, and, uh, caller, you're on the air. Is this free talk live? Hello everyone. This is Keith. Keith, hey, what's Hi, on your Keith. mind? Hey, I wanted to talk about the holidays, as you were talking about earlier, um, particularly um, shopping. It's, um, you know, time to shop for presents for people, so I have some ideas people might want to do if they want to buy people a present. Oh, dear. Okay. 
Hurry and plug your okay. whatever you want to plug quickly. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm not going to plug anything. No, I'm oh, just, okay. I um I've volunt- <laughs> I've worked as on a video game website for years. I'm not going to plug it though. But um so I know a lot about video games, and that's really a great gift to give. So I just figured I'd make some recommendations. Um, first, I recommend Kirby's Epic Yarn. Now, this is on the Nintendo Wii, and it's probably the best game out there for anyone under 12. Okay. Kirby's Epic Yarn is very gorgeous. It's, or adults it's who so act like they're pretty. under 12. Okay. What else? <laughs> yeah, or act like they're under 12. Exactly. Um, it's a platformer, <laughs> but it's extremely easy, but it's just, it's perfect. It's got stitching. I mean, what kind of game does a kid stitch in, right? This yeah. It's just a good, family, wholesome game. Okay. And for the older crowd now, um, there's a game called Donkey Kong Country Returns. Now, I don't know if you guys remember the Super Nintendo days, but Donkey Kong Country was probably the biggest series, the biggest video game around during the Super Nintendo years. Okay. So it's basically like Nintendo has a throwback to it, and it's a pretty hard game, but really there's no platformer out there that's better than this at, at this time. And uh, I know Stephanie's on the line, so I don't know. And also, Dale, um, yes. you're a Dance Dance Revolution fan, right? Yeah. Well, that's really not that popular anymore, but there's a new kind of dance Ooh, game. Oh, Dale, you're in the outcrowd now. <laughs> so, so I don't want you to feel bad. There's a new type. Um, this one is called Just Dance 2. Okay, I'll check it, it out. Is, it's perfect Th- for females. And, and All right, Dale, uh, we'll also. check it out. Thanks for the call, Keith. This is Free Talk Live. You can call in and control the show at 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. I'm your host, Delbert. And Ryder. And Stephanie. Hey everybody, welcome to the interwebs. Yes, this is so cool. Did you know there are smart folks all over the world who need to meet you? Why? Well, if you're from an English-speaking country, then check out english.freetalklive.com right this very second to find out. If you're listening to this podcast, then pause it right now and check out the site. Go to english.freetalklive.com and discover how to create your own online business. All you need to get started is the ebook, the internet, Skype, a webcam, and a microphone. What an inexpensive way to become your own boss that oversees a rewarding and challenging job that requires your unique creativity and passion. Pause the podcast and visit english.freetalklive.com right now. Free Talk Live has its uh, has a, a lot of web content that's free to listeners, including listen.freetalklive.com. I'm not sure how you're listening to this internet-only version of Free Talk Live tonight, but if you'd like to find out some, some more methods... Uh, there's lots. Of, there's several different streams available. There's a high density stream. There's a, or a high quality stream. There's the amp only version if you're an amper, and there's a, a low bandwidth stream for people with with not very good internet connections. So check that out at listen.freetalklive.com. And we have several callers, so we're going to go to the callers. We've got Joe from Hope Chapel here in New Hampshire. Joe, you are on the air. Hey, great to talk to you, man. Hi, it's great to hear from you. Hi, Joe. Hey there. Yeah, I just uh, want to give a big shout-out to all my Free Stater friends, and uh, just the topic tonight was very interesting because of uh, the whole issue of the clergy and the state and the church and how the Bible came about and all that, and some of that is uh, it's very interesting. It seems a little strange to me, some of the comments, but I'll tell you this. Um, you know, I am just so grateful for a lot of the Free Staters that came out and helped paint our church when we were vandalized. 
uh, last July. I think, Dale, were you there, too? Yes, I was. It was my idea, yeah, actually. Believe, believe it or not, it was my idea. Dude, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And it's amazing that a few conversations on your on your form that I used uh, led to that. Anyway, I'm just very, very appreciative of that. And um, I do want to say that, actually, the whole issue of the FEMA and the clergy, um, I've never heard before, but I'll just tell you straight up that, that most of my pastor friends and I, um, I'm not the only freedom-loving pastor in the area, although I'm probably one of the more vocal ones about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say that uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot of people in churches that actually do a lot of hunting and believe in private property protection and all that that you guys believe in. And so I think the reason the government was targeting the South was because um, it's a quick, easy way into big groups of people who own guns. And uh, up here, I, I'm just going to tell you that would never happen. Yeah, mm. It might happen in other parts of the country. I We've think it would never f- happen. In- go ahead. We have quite a few freaking people that go to go to your church. Uh, it was a great a sort of outreach opportunity in both directions when we came and helped paint the church. That There are a lot of people decided oh, to start going to church there, so you got some new parishioners. Absolutely. Well, I mean, really, the issue is I myself am pretty much a free spirit, and so um, uh, it just seemed like a natural fit. And uh, I do focus a lot on Jesus and how he was, you know, quite quite the rebel of his day, and he had a real rebel with a cause. So um, there's just a lot of similarities, and um, uh, it's true. I mean, I really like one of the comments by one of your callers was that, you know, or maybe it was you, Dale, you said that, uh, you know, Jesus was, was killed by his government, the Sanhedrin, uh, and then also Pilate and, and Herod, but also uh, most of the Church spent the first 400 years doing jail time. I mean, that's to be a Christian was to be in jail most of the time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and what it's become today is really not what it was all about in the original Scripture. So, um, you know, I just want to confirm that. And, uh, I don't know, just yeah. a really great, interesting uh, interesting topic. Do you have any questions for me, man? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so, Nick. Well, I want to know if you ever do the uh, Veterans Day memorial uh, presentation at your church. Uh, you know, I haven't yet, and I honestly, I don't mind doing a Veterans Memorial presentation, not because I don't believe that a lot of the wars we've fought have been both immoral and illegal, because I do. I think our current ones are currently very immoral and illegal, and are causing far more harm than good. Um, but I do, I do believe that not all the people serve with the wrong intent, and so what I do is I honor, I honor the people's intent, Yet at the same time, uh, when I'm given opportunity, I explain to people uh, from a academic and historical basis why we should not be there from a Christianity basis, why in most cases uh, our country's decision to go to war was over greed and profit and, and larceny and legal larceny. And, of course, that makes everyone really uncomfortable when a pastor says this, like I'm some kind of you know, mm-hmm. anti-American or something, but it's true. Sure. And, you it know, would make why, you know. why are we in our... Go ahead. Why are we in Iraq? Why are we, why are we in Afghanistan? Well, it's money, baby. It's all about the money. Just follow it. And sure. there, are powers, uh, there are powerful people making a lot of money off of these wars, and it's in their yeah. interest for us to be over there. And You know, you know, just maybe two statements before I hog the night. I mean, I, I, you know, this is very, I'm very passionate about these issues, but um, I had a question. I thought, you know, why, and I have, a, my family are very heavily involved in the military, some, and every one of them for the right reasons, just right now for the wrong cause. And uh, I asked myself, why, where did the, the whole term, um, America as a great Satan, come from? Because, you know, as a, as a Christian pastor, that really sparked me. You know, where did, where did we get the term great Satan? Why did Iran call us the great Satan? You know, the Ayatollah. 
And so I began researching it, and on my own I found just incredible resources referring to, you know, Operation Ajax and how we actually took down a democracy with the CIA. We murdered the democratically uh, elected people in president, and we, we escorted the president out of office by staging a coup. And then I began studying the history of the Marines in different parts of the world in the, you know, in the teens and 20s. And, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, the issue really isn't so much that uh, issues in so much with our military, the issue is really our people are not educated, and our history has been so rewritten and controlled by those in, in charge. You know, I forget which president said it, but, um, you know, history is written by the victor, not necessarily tr- the truth of what really happened. You know, so, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, I'm absolutely. totally going on a tangent here, but... Uh, you know, I have uh, a, thought, a thought that, I don't know what you think about this, but um, I sort of, th- th- there's always this notion of the separation of church and state, and uh, people... Mm-hmm. People love to say that because I guess that you know, certainly I don't want the, someone necessarily. I don't want um, you know laws formed on the notion of some a religious belief that has no basis other than that religious belief, and that religious belief is being, being forced on people. But but I do have a beef with the whole idea that um, I don't. First of all, I don't mind anyone getting tax exempt status. I just wish more people could get it. Right. <laughs> so I don't mind that yeah, the churches get it. Should- but, as they are, should not be right. But what but what bugs me is that somehow that you're not supposed to engage in any sort of political activity or church or something, or else that would should that takes that can uh, threaten. Oh, your, except if it supports the state, that's okay. <laughs> that's well, apolitical. Well, you know, but I, but see, I don't. I have a beef. I don't think. I don't think that makes sense. I mean, I think you know, if your reasons for for whatever your political your reasons for being politically active, I don't see any reason why that can't be relig- you know, religiously motivated or whatever. I mean, because it's sort of offensive to me, but even, you know, the idea that uh, if your reasons are for religious reasons or something, they're not valid for politics or something like <laughs> well, that. I, I don't know if what you're saying is completely accurate. I'll give it to Joe in a second because he probably knows being a pastor. But as I understood it, you couldn't, from the pulpit, um, recommend a certain political candidate, but you could still participate in political action as a church, oh, really? as a church community and not lose okay, your actually- tax status. You know, actually, the current progressive movement would like you to believe that. The truth of the matter is, is that you're allowed to, you're allowed to uh, recommend candidates. You just can't make being part of your organization uh, contingent upon uh, a vote. Interesting. And okay. So you can say anything you want. Hey, man, this is still a free country. We still have free pulpit as long as you will. I don't think it's going to last very long. Personally. All right. But um, Joe, hold on for calling in. All right. Thanks for the call. Ahead. Thanks for the call, Joe. This is Free Talk Live. You can call in at 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live, a Sunday edition. Uh, you can... Listen to the show at listen.freetalklive.com. There's lots of different ways there. Uh, this is your host, Delbert. And Ryder. And Stephanie. Got a lot of calls on the line, so let's get right at it. Like a Christmas tree. Merry yes. Christmas. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like Ty from Tennessee, you're on the air. Hey, good evening, folks. And I'm I, sorry, and... I can't remember all the names. Is it Ryder? This is Ryder. Ryder, okay. Ryder, That's his Delbert, nickname. And... <laughs> I'm sorry. That's his hilarious stuff. It was a joke. His first name is Nick. <laughs> okay. Well, just, good evening. Uh, I was I was just wanting to talk a little bit of. Um, have you noticed in a lot of media lately? There's there's been a resurgence of of using the Matrix analogy. You know, of waking up to the real world. And there's a lot oh, of yeah. things in the news today about you know 
that uh, America is waking up uh, to see what's really going on. Of course, everybody has different versions of what reality is. Hmm. Um, I have not noticed that, uh, to be honest, but then again, I don't pay too much uh, attention to the mainstream news, so maybe that's why. (laughs) Not even on the, just, it's more than just the mainstream news. I think uh, Ernest Hancock has some of it. He, He plays a lot of, like, Morpheus speaking in in the second Matrix movie, you know about how they've been fighting the machines for all this time, but they're still here. And mm-hmm. and he talks about you know the red pill and blue pill, or is that Alex Jones? I think actually does the red pill and blue pill thing. But uh, it, it just seems show. to be this. Right. I'm sorry. Oh, I've heard it on Ernie's show before, and and yeah, also in some of the uh, recent TSA uh, videos that have been coming out and stuff, I see that phraseology a lot, like wake up or something like that. Matrix analogy. Yeah. The the thing that gets me is that, um, you know, the, you have to well, – I'm trying to, trying to figure out what my point is here, mm-hmm. trying to get my point out that, you know, this waking up to the real world, it seems like there's a lot of different people that have different ideas of what the real world is about what's really going on. But the overall theme is that things are not quite what they seem. And, you know, I think a lot of that is because people try to control others, so they have to come up with these different schemes and plans of how to fool people. You know, and that's why, like, talking about organized religion, uh, it, it tries to control people. The, the government tries to control people. And that's, that's one of the main reasons why uh, the government and churches want the separation of church and state is because they don't want the other infringing upon their ability to control other people. I don't know. Uh, with yeah. with the FEMA pastors, though, that kind of uh, they're kind of joining forces there. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ty, because actually, I, I accidentally I meant to get Joe back for a moment to talk some more about separation of church and state, and uh, and I and I actually I forgot to get his call, but um, I was going to suggest Joe if you want to call back on that, um, we we can we'll 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 go ahead and do that real quick. So again, six zero three four three five eleven zero five. Go ahead, Ty. But anyway, I, I consider myself a spiritual seeker. Right, you know. I think it can be proven that that uh, uh, the Bible cannot be the infallible word of God if a God exists, because there's just so many so many inconsistencies, and you know there's books of the Bible that have been shown to be forgeries, so it can't be the infallible word of God. But I'm still a spiritual seeker, but I seek uh, I seek spirituality on an individual basis. You know, I don't want to be controlled, and I don't want to control other people, and I think modern Christianity, organized Christianity or orthodox Christianity, has too much of that control element and less of the individual element. And it's kind of hard to see Mm. Jesus Christ in a lot of Christianity these days, you know, the message of love and peace and... uh, well, yeah, uh, like like Ryder was saying, you know, when they when they do a big celebration of Veterans Day and they have men in uniform at the church and they do a big, yeah, it's you, it seems it seems like a confusing mixed message. Yes, absolutely, exactly. And so, I've, one of my um, one of my treks here recently has been studying something called gnosis or gnosticism. Have you heard of that? Yes. It's a, it's a pretty interesting thing, and, and one of the things I've, I've learned about is a, a character named Hermes Trimed, Tri, Trismegistos. It's a hard word to say. And a lot of the uh, mythology surrounding Hermeticism has a, quite a bit of a parallel with Christianity, and it rose up around the same time. So there's, you know, there's a lot of parallels between the two, uh, but both of those from the early church depended heavily on this idea of that, that Greek word of gnosis, which, which kind of means knowledge, but what it really means is personal experience. 
Well, it's then, it's, know, uh, it's a the word agnostic means you can't know God is is the belief that you can't know God. So agnostic is based on the is the opposite of that, right? That you can know God. God by experience. You know, I wish. I wish I was could say I'm Gnostic that I've had personal experience of God. I'd love for there to be a loving all you know. I don't know if there'd be an all powerful and all loving God. It's kind of hard to do both uh, with the world as imperfect as it is. But yeah. I would like for there to be an all loving God. But I have not personally experienced that. That doesn't mean I don't seek it, and I I seek that because I know you know I've I've done some pretty bad things in my life. I've hurt some people. Uh, you know, we, we cause ripples through our lives as we, you know, as we touch the lives of other people. And I've done a lot of things that I've regretted, and I'm, I'm hopefully progressing to become a better person and not hurt anybody anymore, you know? So I, I love the idea of liberty, and this, this spiritual quest I'm on with, with this personal relationship, I think, coincides quite a bit with liberty. But I hear a lot of times on some of the liberty-oriented uh, uh, podcasts and things this uh, put down of of Christianity or or religion or the idea that people who believe in God or in my case want to believe in God or want there to be a God that that we're stupid people, you know, that we just can't face the truth or mm-hmm. reality again. I don't know. You know I, what I'm talking yeah. about there. I I do. I think that this is it's kind of interesting because I I, I sort of addressed it. I touched on it a little bit earlier a sort of sense of feeling oppressed because someone criticizes your beliefs, you know what I mean? And and uh, and someone might, you know, I, I just think it's pretty tactless to say, well, you're stupid because you believe this, right? Yeah, although think, at the same time, I, I haven't really heard that. I mean, uh, I guess I could see how certain things could be taken as a little bit harsh towards religion, myself yeah. included. I'm no exception, but I, I mean, I just think that... Uh, well, I think you need to be prepared you, to, again, to, to defend whatever it is you believe with some rational arguments. And, yes. And people are going to be critical if they don't think what you believe makes sense. And, and, and I don't think that should necessarily be taken as you're stupid for believing that. But, you know, that's just a really tactless way to try and challenge something you think doesn't, maybe doesn't make sense to you. And have, and, well, but, I kinda, but I think the notion of, you know, being in a position to defend what you believe, I think, is a good place to be and not being in the mode of defensiveness because someone would dare to challenge it, right? I don't. I don't take it personally because I think that most of the time when they're speaking about these things, they're speaking about it in in terms of religion as a control thing, you know, as trying to control other people. Sure. And yeah. Or from, from, from the point I'm of view of seeking, uh, you know, truth based on evidence, right? Yeah, that's right. that's where I'm at. I'm I'm seeking truth, you know. I'm, I'm trying to find. Well, uh, a higher reality. Uh, one of my favorite authors is Philip K. Dick, and he made a statement that I thought was very profound once. He said that uh, somebody asked him, you know, because a lot of his books deal with the nature of reality and what it means to be a real human being, an authentic human being. And somebody asked him, well, what is reality? And uh, he kind of on his, on his feet came up with this statement that I really like. He says, uh, reality is that which, when you stop believing in it, doesn't go away. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, uh, but there's some intangibles in the world. Anyway, well, I, think, I, I think it's like, I, I might, I mean, I wouldn't, I would probably not, I would certainly try not to use the word stupid unless I got really frustrated. <laughs> I can imagine losing it and saying something not very tactful. Oh, but, I, I've but said harmful. Ha- I said harmful yeah, on the show. <laughs> if someone has beliefs that I find like internally inconsistent, I'm probably going to be a little, uh, I'm going to be critical. 
I'm going to be critical. Right. I'm going to try to be tactfully critical. But, I, you know, if I think, especially if I think they're internally inconsistent, you know, if you're picking and choosing from the Bible and well, we And we can't, like that, you know, the thing is, like, we're here to uh, smash the state, right, for lack of a better word, right? We're, <laughs> we're kind of... Uh, Sounds spread- too violent for my taste. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you, Dale. But, you know, we're spreading the message of liberty. And so we're trying to spread something that is truth based on evidence. And so why not apply that to other areas? And sure. if we think we have that in the realm of religion, then go for it. All right. Uh, thanks for the call, Ty. Uh, this is All right, thanks for having me. Y'all have a good evening. You too. This is Free Talk Live. You can call in at 603-435-1105 and talk about what you want to talk about. This is Free Talk Live. This is your host, Delbert. And Ryder. And Stephanie. You can call in at any time at 603-435-1105. Uh, there is a chat that is going on 24 hours a day. You can join it, uh, especially during the show. It gets more active. If you'd like to talk about the subjects that are going on on the show or just chat with other liberty-loving people, you can go to chat.freetalklive.com. And as with many features of the Free Talk Live website, it is free, unlike many radio stations that charge for their content. So again, go to chat.freetalklive.com. You can call in at 603-435-1105, and we've got callers on. So we're going to take Matt in Illinois. Matt, what's on your mind? Uh, hey, guys. Hey. And I hear an echo. And, uh, uh, and Stephanie, hi. how's everybody tonight? Thank you for acknowledging that I'm not a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think guys has become um, gender neutral. Yeah, it seems oh, like it's become gender neutral. This is something neutral. we can talk about after this. Okay. I have a thought, but let's let's, let's let, let Matt, Matt talk about yeah, what he exactly. wants to first. The callers come first, so <laughs> dudes is general gender neutral these days. Dudes, awesome. Hey, dudes. I'm sure that makes women um, feel very sexy. <laughs> oh, I feel hot. I'm always sexy. Come on. <laughs> uh, um, I wanted to to make a point about uh, the United States. Uh, and the Bill of Rights with in regards to uh, the freedom of religion. And people, you know, often talk about how, oh, in, the, in this country we have freedom of religion. Well, the way the Constitution was written, they just, all they said was the state, the, the government, the federal government will not establish itself as a certain religion. It's and also the reason they did that. That's the federal law that says Congress will make no law, right? Right, right. So it's literally all it's saying, all the Constitution, all the Constitution really protects is is uh, from is Constitution establishing a law that would interfere with religion. But that leaves a lot well, of room. That would, that, <laughs> yeah, that would make it that, that would establish. The reason they did that is because at the time, uh, countries around the world were, you know, were. Catholic, or or uh, in 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 terms of England, they were Protestant, and they would and they would uh, persecute people that were of other religions. So they didn't want the state that they knew was going to be this powerful entity. They didn't want the state persecuting certain religions. But in terms of the right of religion, you have that right anyway, regardless. No matter where you live, you have the right to worship as you want. It's just if if you worship in certain countries, if you worship in certain ways, you're taking the chance 
that agents of the state are going to find out and then they're going to persecute you. Well, well, I was going to make this point earlier in that the fact of freedom of religion or freedom of speech, whatever you want to say, the first word is really the most important. It's the fact that you have the freedom. You don't need the term freedom of religion to be laid out in the Constitution for people to have the right to gather and do whatever they wish on private property. That makes well, sense. This is kind of what I'm trying to say here. You you have that right regardless of whether the Constitution or the country that you live in grants you that right. All, all, all the Constitution is saying is, hey, look, our government is not going to persecute you if you come over here and you want to practice um, Islam or Buddhism sure. or whatever. Our government won't persecute you. Other private individuals might still. And right. if you're living in another uh, country, um, that's not spelled out. So people, maybe if you're a Buddhist in uh, 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 Pakistan, let's say, you know, the Pakistani government might come and arrest you as a radical or what have you. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to avoid. But that, you know, you have these rights no matter where you are, no matter no matter who you are, you have the basic human rights. It's whether or not you choose to practice them and take the, and whether or not you're taking a chance that you're going to be uh, persecuted for your for practicing your rights. It's an interesting... And now in the United in the United States, that's happening more and more. You're finding that you're practicing, you're trying to exercise these rights. Uh, like when you go through the airport and you decide you don't want to be felt up by the TSA agents, you exercise the right to say, no, I don't want to be felt up by you. And now you're taking the chance that these people might start to persecute you because, because you've exercised that right. Yeah, it kind of gets into the origin of rights and the, and the nature of rights and talking about natural rights versus what some people would think of as the government-defined rights and... And things like that, right? But that can, that can get into a pretty long conversation, yeah. you know? Because I've heard, I've certainly heard the argument. Well, what is a right? How is something a right if it can just be if it's it can just be so easily violated? How can you even call it a right? You know? Yeah. And what are rights anyway? Like, you what, know, what defines rights? And they say, well, you have the right, but even though even if it gets violated, you have the right, but it got violated. Well, okay, but then what is a right? It gets into the what is it? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I understand. I mean, I know what, I I have my own notions of that, and I, that can actually turn into a pretty long conversation. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but that's so. that's where this uh, conversation is going to end up eventually, anyway. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting yeah, conversation. For the next, for my next Sunday show, maybe talk about what are rights and what does it mean, and so on. Natural rights versus That'll other types like of rights. Six hours instead of three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very quick. Well, yeah, I'm a I'm a huge believer in that that people have have rights and. Uh, it's, it's whether or not they choose to exercise those rights sure. and whether or not other people decide whether they're going to violate your rights or not. Because right. that's, that's always going to happen no matter what. It's an imperfect world and people sure. are going to try to exercise power over you, whether you're in an, an anarchist yeah. society or a monarch. You have anything else on your mind tonight, Matt? No, that was it. All right, thanks, thanks Matt. Uh, we're going to talk to Steve. Uh, Steve in Washington. What's on your mind tonight, Steve? Hey there, Dale and uh, and others. <laughs> Hi, Steve. Uh, Thank you. Hi. And Stephanie and Ryder. Yes, yeah, Stephanie and who, Ryder? Okay. Ryder. All right. Is that music that I hear, or is there something wrong with my connection? Uh, it's all you. Keep it's, going. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Crossover. All right. Um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, talk. I, I sort of stumbled into a um, an online community of uh, Marines, 
today. And Dale, I know you were in the Navy. That's right. I don't know how uh, I don't know how much contact you had with Marines. I I had some, but not a whole lot. And um, uh, it, it was kind of they were. Um, I couldn't believe the amount of racism and misogyny that uh, that I heard uh, oh, in boy. this community. That's unfortunate. And yeah, it, and it really was. And the thing is, is and now I don't want to just pick on the Marines because I'll, I'll pick on any branch of service. I'm, you know, I don't care. <laughs> I'm impartial <laughs> as far as that goes. And but, Steve, but did you mention your Facebook case, page? Steve called into my show last week, by the way. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Steve, did you mention oh, I didn't that? Want to it. <laughs> I, I don't want to pimp it too much, but it's uh, the troops are welfare horse. <laughs> Just so we all know where Steve is uh, coming from. <laughs> I see. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, but uh, but anyway, the um, I've been trying to spend actually a little bit less time online. The last week has been crazy. I've been online almost every single day, almost all day long. Uh, but um, anyway, the uh, yeah, these these Marines, and this is like a, a sort of an online club for Marines. This is what I'm talking about. This one that I stumbled upon. Um, you know, four Marines, by Marines, Marines talking with other other Marines, and the the crazy thing is that these guys, uh, and there's 570 of them in this particular club, they don't consider black Marines to be real Marines. Oh wow! They don't consider oh. Hispanic Marines to be real Marines. They call women Marines either Wooks, which is short for Wookies, or whores. The whores are the ones who put out. The wooks are the ones who don't. Oh, uh, and that's the only wow. two categories that they have for female marines. So and of classy. Course, the female yeah. marine just that mythology, just subjectifying women. It's the only like thing a, they have going for them is sex, right? It's just a super uh, superiority complex there going on. The, yeah. The that's Marines gross. It are, sounds like that's I, sickening, when people yeah. have that kind of, you know, I think a lot of racism and a lot of misogyny and such comes from people needing to feel superior because maybe their self-esteem isn't so great to begin with and, and they're, they're trying ex- to prop it up by making other people seem lesser than them for arbitrary reasons. But being know? a Marine, and, I think you're told you're one of the toughest, probably one of the toughest uh, branches of the toughest military. So it's not surprising that these yeah. people would go about life thinking they are one of the best of the best of the very pride people in the world. <laughs> yeah, but also yeah. I right. think this really stems from a deeply, deeply ingrained collectivism, right? Their whole thing is they're part of a group, you know, they're part of this elite group and they're, you know, they're the toughest people, as Dale said. But uh, that extends to how they view other people, too. They view other people as part of groups. And what what do they see is uh, what's on the outside, their gender, their race or whatever. And so they apply that collectivism to to those things. Yeah, right. Uh, that's exactly true. Now, I did have uh, when I was in the military, I did have some contact with Marines. We had about 100 of them stationed on our base. Uh, and I actually made good friends with two of them. One of them was into boxing, as am I, especially the old classic boxers, uh, Muhammad Ali, Joe Fraser, Foreman, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we used to talk, you know, about boxing, and we used to go hit the bag together, you know. Wrap it uh, up. <laughs> and I'd hold, I'd, I'd hold it for him, and he'd beat on it, and I'd, right. you know, he'd hold it for me and so forth. I, I know there's probably a double on right. in there someplace. Thanks for the call. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this is Dale at Quick Talk Live. You can call in at 603-435. You're listening to Free Talk Live, talk radio that that you can control by calling at any time you like at 
435-1105. This is your host, Delbert. And Ryder. And Stephanie. And Ryder's going to tell us a little bit about the promote portion of the website. At freetalklive.com, uh, you can find a page there by going to promote.freetalklive.com. That is a whole bunch of free links. Uh, you'll find banners, you'll find links to bumper stickers, flyers, and uh, web banners, all sorts of things you can do to help promote the show online and in person. So go and find that, promote.freetalklive.com. Now, coming up, we're going to be talking about information overload as well as nonviolent communication. Right now, we've got a caller, Nick, in Houston. You are on the air. Hey, guys. What's up? Hi. Hi. Hey, actually, uh, I was watching on the cam, and the uh, it looked like somebody farted how fast everybody cleared out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Actually, that Dale was because I laid down the law. I said, yeah. guys, the show's coming on. You got to, it's going to have to get quiet in here real fast. Dale so. was the authoritarian. That's okay. We don't mind. Yeah. So, yeah, property. we were just, we were just talking all. about you can go to cam.freetalklive.com earlier in the show and see all kinds of crazy stuff going on in here. And in the little, just a little while ago, we had like a, like we a bunch of people flat, showing up a, after a male stripper. Sunday. A male stripper yep. who flashed we, the screen. We had some homosexual action going on. Uh, oh, I, hu- I, I hugged someone, if you caught that. And th- that wasn't the only, uh, the only <laughs> one. <laughs> but no, you, you know what? We're just going to call that homosexual that. action because that's uh, much more marketable. Right. So, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, male strippers well, there were homosexual two, two women in the room. There were a couple of women that's, in the room. We basically had a big cluster of people show up from Social Sunday, which happens every Sunday here in Keene, <laughs> and that's why you should move to New Hampshire. That's part of the Free State Project. But, but uh, what's on your mind tonight, Nick? Um... Well, I'll have to admit, I play a lot of video games. And as a person who listens to Free Talk Live a lot, I happen to see a lot of, I guess, like, liberty memes. I don't know, when it comes to video games and stuff. Um, do you guys play it all? Like, no. are you all into video Negatory. games? I, it, I'm a nerd, t- but not that kind the of The times <laughs> I've played were like, uh, I actually got into EverQuest for a while and World oh, of Warcraft. Oh, no, Evercrack. So I'm much more nerdy in terms of video games. And, oh, and I really Did you get obsessed with it and like, play it all for the time? I did for a while, but I, yeah. I didn't last. I really don't have an addictive personality, fortunately, so I didn't stay yeah. in it very long. But, uh, but I really don't. I actually yeah. don't find myself getting caught up in video games very often. Every now and then I'll get started there's playing no, one and get, and get into it. Yeah, there's been a couple of really good like adult and kind of artsy titles that have come out, you know, ever since the 360 has come out and the uh, the culture of it has become a lot more adult. And, uh, like, I've been playing this new game called Fallout. Uh, have any of y'all heard about that series before? Oh, sure. My roommates the, are... The new one is uh, New Vegas, is that right? Exactly. I heard it's quite addicting. I've never played a Fallout, but uh, a lot of people do. Oh, I'm probably, like, 70 hours into the game that I'm currently playing. That's a lot. A little much, I know. <laughs> and, and did you have a point related to it as far as uh, something you saw? <laughs> Just want to geek exactly. out a little bit. Well, like, so I came across this town, and it's called Fremont. And it's based off of a... Actually, it's called Freeside. And it's based off of an old hotel that was called Fremont. I think back in like that the sounds 50s, familiar. Rat, the Rat Pack era. And um, oh. there's basically a gang that's taken over this area. And they're called the Kings. And they all dress like Elvis. Every <laughs> single one of them. Awesome. Yes, very much so. And um, it's kind of awesome because their philosophy is, is that you can do whatever you want as long as you back it up by force. And it's as long as, as you, you back it up by force. Exactly. They so basically it's bring the idea of government right to the forefront. It's, it's it reverse exactly libertarianism. It it's like reverse libertarianism. It's like 180 mm, degrees the, the other direction, right? 
Yeah. I mean, they Total basically statement. say, you know, if you can do... I mean, the idea is that if somebody doesn't want you to do something, they're eventually going to try to stop you. And I guess the way reality is, is that it always comes to blows, really. <laughs> so this is Might Makes Right in a video game, basically. Yeah. Well, it's also a, uh, a world where, like, raiders still exist because it's like nuclear fallout and wastelands and stuff. So killing okay. people really isn't like the... I don't know. It's a lot different. But I know it, it brings the... like. The idea of government, like, right to the forefront and kind of slaps you in the face with it. Well, I, I, I agree with what Nick's saying here as far as video games uh, bringing out government, you know, inefficiencies. I think Grand Theft Auto has been doing it for a long time, ever since GTA uh, San Andreas, at least. I Hell didn't yeah. play the ones before that. They brought cop corruption and government inefficiency to the forefront. Have uh, you guys ever heard of Bioshock? I have heard of it. I haven't played that one either, though. Basically, I nothing to uh, add to this. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm, so I'm learning, not, I guess. Not my realm. Um, it's okay. I know y'all, are, uh, y'all have probably all heard about the Seasteading Institute. Yes, yes. of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Seasteading sounds kind of cool. There's this guy, Andrew Ryan. He's this billionaire, and he creates, instead of like an on-the-water, you know, like libertarian paradise, it's an under-the-ocean. Yo, that, you know, you're, talking about, you're talking about Bioshock now. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah okay. No, didn't and, Bioshock? Uh, have I, some... That's actually one that I played all the way through. I played Bioshock. Yeah. And I got and what I did, did get caught about... up in that. That was kind of addictive. <laughs> like, what did you think about the extreme disparity between like the rich and the poor? Because I know we have that now, so it's not like there's any real difference. Because like I just recently, well, actually, I've known for a long time. It's like what the top two percent own like ninety percent of like the nation's wealth and all that. Like, you know, between the, well... between what I make and between what like the rich make, you know, there's an extreme dis- like wealth disparity. Right. And in the video game, that's exactly how it was. You had the workers who were working as slaves because the people who were on the very top, you know, they they just overcompeted everybody to the point where it was just, I mean, it wasn't even libertarianism anymore, or like free thought or free thinking. It was just slavery to, like, whoever was below you, you know, on the socioeconomic ladder, I guess. Well, And then you had Andrew Ryan at the top who was just basically charging for oxygen, you know, which is kind of... You know, at least the government, well, I guess they did want to do um, CO2 taxing, so <laughs> kind of the same thing. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I guess, um, yeah, that bugged me about, that bugged me about the uh, the game. I think that, but at the same time, but, I, you know, of course, my, my thought is that there would be a lot less income disparity in a freer society. Right. I think. And and for have to have one person selling oxygen and to have a monopoly on it, is that what happened in the game? I mean, Apparently it, so. a, I mean, in a true free market, if he was, you know, not satisfying his customers and he was charging too much for the oxygen or whatever, why then... can someone else produce oxygen and Exactly, well, yeah. What was beautiful is that exactly the that exact thing happened and you mm-hmm. ended up having that was what the the store was on, I guess, you know, these two uh, comp- competitors, you know. Mm. Right. But, so there, but there were only two competitors. I mean, maybe you know, maybe more people would jump at in at the highest level. Yeah, um, mm. that's how the game was set up. But I mean, what was that specific example? You know. Okay. Um, so now, do you think? A, would you say um, these days that there's more anti-government themes in video games and media than there used to be, Nick? Or is this just something that uh, it's just you know people have had the when politicians are moving their mouth, they're lying joke throughout. You know, for as long as I can remember, yeah. I've heard that, but nothing yeah. has come from it. Do you think something's going to well, come I mean, from this anti-government sentiment that's coming out in, in video games? Well, like in, you had the, uh, uh, like in Call of Duty, you had, you know, 
government-sponsored terror, you know, like, like brought to everybody's eyes. I mean, that was like, at the time when Modern Warfare 2 came out, I think it was like the best-selling, you know, media thing that ever released. And then now Black Ops recently came out, and the whole game is about, oh, let's, you know, let's do all these black missions that the government will ever know about. You know, the first, I think when one of the first CG scenes, it's like, you don't exist, soldier. You know, the things that you do, you'll never get honor for it. Nobody will ever know. What never about... What about all the games that the uh, the military recruiters supposedly put out? Like, you know, all these pro- military uh, propaganda America's games? Army? Yeah. I, I don't know, I mean, but I hear that they do that. America's Army was, I mean, it was kind of fun in terms of, like, a game. And, like, I've seen it set up, like, in these gigantic trailers outside of concerts and stuff where they just, they sucker all these kids to come in and the recruiter just, you know, whispers in your in your ear. And, like, I joined the Navy out of high school. They sit you down in a chair and they basically tell you, you know, we're going to give you this huge check and we're going to take care of you. So <laughs> they just need another excuse. I mean, they're smart about it because they know their PR and how to, like, get to the people. But yeah. Well, when you have an unlimited source of other people's money, then you can afford pretty good advertising, I guess. The unscrupulous people who would take that money <laughs> as a contractor. Yeah. Well, it was like... Yeah, I think they'll have more luck doing stuff like G.I. Joe because, uh, like, I think the U.S. Army gave a bunch of money to that movie when it came out to make it, you know, sure. to produce it and yeah. stuff. And, and, you know, All right. if you... Oh, All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the call, Nick. Uh, this, is right, talk, this is Free Talk Live. You can call in and uh, talk about whatever you like at 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. You're listening to a Free Talk Live. You can call in and control the show at 603-435-1105. Again, that's 603-435-1105. The lines are open. If you call now, you can get in before uh, we've got plenty of time for your call. You can also go to amp.freetalklive.com and find out how you can help support the show. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. That's money that helps get the message of liberty out to more and more people uh, right now, Free Talk Live is syndicated in like over 80 stations around the country and keeps growing. And that's largely because of contributions from people like you through the AMP program. So again, you can go to amp.3talklive.com for as little as $3 a month. Become an amper. You get a lot of extra benefits that you can uh, you can discover from that, webs- from that uh, website. So uh, this is uh, your host, Delbert. Ryder. And Stephanie. <laughs> and we have a call, so let's go straight to the lines. Ooh. Caller, you are on the air with Free Talk Live. Hello. Caller. Going once. Hello. Hi, you're on the air with Free Talk Live. Who's this? Hi. Uh, My name is Nick. Nick. And where are you calling from? From Illinois. Okay. What's on your mind tonight? All right. Uh, I'm here to talk about the Equal Pay Act. Really? I am not familiar. Why don't you tell us, give us a recap. What is it? I learned about it on the CBS Evening News, which is probably why if you don't watch the mainstream news. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's supposed to make it easier for women to sue their employers, uh, for gender-based pay discrimination. Yes, actually, I, I was familiar with this. I just didn't, the name didn't ring a bell, but yeah, there was, wasn't there one, uh, specific lady who, uh, many years ago was, uh, found out that she was being paid a different amount than her male colleagues for the same job, and then she sued, uh, her employer for it? Mm, I'm not sure on the specifics. 
There was some, but, I forget her name, I'll, I'll look it up, but I'm sorry, continue, Nick. Yeah. Well, um, I once listened to a Mises.org talk by Walter Block. Uh, yes, Walter Block talks a lot about the wage gap, uh, and he has some interesting thoughts that have gotten him into uh, a lot of controversy. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, in, in particular, he said that the reason why women in certain positions get paid less on average than men is because the women who are getting paid less uh, took time out from their careers to raise children, and that has made them less effective compared to the men who spent the equivalent time honing their craft. Or uh, or less productive, uh, you know, they've, yeah. they've produced less. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I have to say, like... Uh, I've heard a lot of Walter Block's uh, stuff on this, on the pay gap and stuff. And one of the most uh, persuasive things that I've heard him say is that if you look at statistics, yes, there is a difference between um, the pay of men and women for doing comparable jobs. However, if you, if you look at never married women or lesbians, they get paid the same as men. Hmm. Wow. So yeah. that tends to support... If it's it tends true, to support it tends to support his what conclusion. he's saying. Yeah. I can under, you know what I knew I've known I've worked with I've worked at places where there were some and, and there was a difference. There's like women who had like young children mm-hmm. and uh, versus other women and things like that. And I definitely I can think of people I knew this one woman at work that would just blow my mind how often she'd have to leave early or come in late because a, mm-hmm. a child had a child was sick, she had to go to the, had to go to the doctor and all the, it was just it was constant. It was like right. almost it was two or three times a week it seemed like there was something interfering with her work because of her kids and, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well and and they worked with her and everything, but but I mean, at the same time, it didn't seem. I mean, there was no doubt that she was not doing as good of a job because she was taking care of her kids, and that's fine. But I don't think your should be your your work's responsibility, right? I mean, they should. They right, should, you, you don't know. have an. Ob- I mean, it, it, a job is a private contract with an employer. Right. Now, to be fair, I like I'm a woman who could possibly have children, but I don't like I'm not sterile or anything, and I wouldn't want someone to ask me that on a job interview, but, <laughs> but I don't want to have children and I don't plan on it certainly. Um, and so I hope that an employer wouldn't, uh, discriminate against me and just like assume that I'm going right. to have children because I could biologically have them, um, and then pay me less because of that. I, I would. Uh, and, and even if you did have kids, what if your, your husband took a substantial portion of the interfering, the stuff where it would have interfered with your work? Oh, or sure. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not, especially the, in modern days, it's not safe to presume that it's always going to be the woman that's going to have to leave work early or something like that. Right. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, the, the pregnancy itself is something for nine months, you're going to have another person inside of you. And so uh, that can right. cause uh, people react way differently to pregnancy. Some women work like it's, it's basically nothing and carry children. And some of them, it really, you know, they get uh, morning sickness for several months and they feel tired and, and all kinds of stuff. And then the pregnancy itself can be comp- have complications. Sure. And so yeah. there's kind of a wide range there. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think the point I, I was kind of trying to drive at is that I, I wouldn't, I would want someone to judge me as an individual, right? If they're my employer, I wouldn't want them to assume something about me because of my gender. But at the same time, if there's uh, one person who's going to be uh, maybe working part time or being less productive uh, than another person, uh, maybe because there are children in their life or whatever, or because they're older or because they, for whatever reason, I mean, um, I don't think that person is entitled to anything, you know, a specific salary or, or right. whatever. I think it's a private contract what are your, between what are your thoughts employer on and employee. What are your thoughts on it? Um, uh, well, Nick? what I wonder is what the unintended consequences will be. 
I spoke to my father about this, and he thinks that the result will probably be that men will just get paid less in order to save on the extra money that they would have to pay uh, the women in order to avoid a lawsuit. Well, mm. all oh, this stuff, you're talking about this act that makes it easier for women to sue employers. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. I think all this stuff is going to in, in the end it more and more less it's equalizes out. It's kind of like when they every time they raise the uh, they raise the minimum wage, for instance, mm. that that makes that, that kind of hedges certain people out of the market. People who are like unskilled, just entering the, they might be trying to get some work experience out of high school and things like that. It's why hire them if you have to pay so much now that. You know, you know, just go ahead and hire someone that's you know more likely to stick around longer and be a little more skilled and show up for work on time a little better and stuff versus this brand new high school student who's trying to get work experience. You know, so yeah, it, and you know, Walter Block also know. brings up a really uh, another uh, point that I find persuasive. I'm 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 kind of not sure where I fall on his argument. I found I find other people's arguments persuasive, including. Uh, Roderick Long on this, who says that, you know, people don't perfectly know the productivity of their employees, especially in big corporations and stuff. Um, But but Walter Block says, you know, hey, if if women were really so undervalued, if they're producing the same amount of stuff for less money, everyone would want to hire them. They would be the most sought after because you're getting a bargain, basically. Right. So now I I was confused at first because the Pay um, Equality Act or the Equal Pay Act was passed in 1963, so I wasn't quite sure what the caller was talking about. It looks like it was uh, something that was being considered this month, and uh, I found more at pay-equity.org, but it reads here at the top, November 17, 2010, the Paycheck Fairness Act suffered a procedural defeat in a 58-41 to vote in the Senate. Um, So Is that the one you're talking about, Nick? Hmm. Uh, It might be. I actually don't remember the specific name of the act. There's also the Lilly Ledbetter uh, Fair Pay Act, which was signed into law by Obama on uh, January 29, 2009, uh, Mm -hmm. as a result of a Supreme Court case, Ledbetter versus Goodyear. Okay. Now, one last thing. Yes. (laughs) I feel lucky that I happened to be watching the camp over that one break. That's make it quick. (laughs) Break's coming. Few people will ever know what transpired. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Nick, for calling. Uh, this is Free Talk Live. You can call in with anything you'd like to talk about, 603-435-1105. Again, that's 603-435-1105. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can call in at 603-435-1105. Again, the number to call if you'd like to join in on the show is 603-435-1105. Still time to take your calls. This is your host, Delbert. And Ryder. And Stephanie. And if you'd like to, one way you can help support the show in a manner that doesn't cost you a penny is to go to amazon.freetalklive.com. That link will take you to the Amazon website where you can buy all kinds of things, not just books. Uh, just about anything that you need to get, you can get it on Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, and a percentage of the sale goes to support Free Talk Live without costing you any more at all. So I got some new shoes on Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. If you, I'll hold them up for the cam. Yeah, <laughs> right. Says, Dale said it wouldn't cost you a penny, but it's not going to cost you any more. Said, that's what I said. It didn't cost, won't cost you a penny more. Right. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah you, yes. You, I'm sorry if I didn't make it clear. You do have to pay for things. If you buy them on Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You just don't but they won't cost more. you any more than if you just go straight to the Amazon website. So by going through that link, Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, you will ensure that a portion of your 
a portion of the sale actually goes to support this show. So, um, you know, um, one of the things I said we were going to talk about was nonviolent communication. Yeah. And where I discovered nonviolent communication is mm-hmm. on pork therapy. Uh, so, Stephanie, why don't you tell us a little bit about pork therapy? Thank you, Dale. Yes, it's um, pork therapy is my podcast. It's um, a show where we talk about uh, relationships uh, from a liberty oriented perspective. And so um, we talk about all kinds of things, but just basically we think that relationships are the basis of a voluntary society and that uh, personal freedom is really where uh, where it starts, where where one has the most control over the amount of freedom in their life. So, uh, you know, so working on those relationships is kind of key. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, um, in fact, I think there's a big basis for that and that that we actually learn statism from our interactions with other people. A lot oh, of times yeah. the, the big the one is family, from our parents, but not just from our parents. The church. The way other people teach us. Yeah, and, yeah. and the sort of arbitra- sort of an arbitrary respect for authority figures that's yes. not necessarily earned mm-hmm. and things like that. And mm-hmm. so I do think there's a, a definite basis for that. And I feel like a lot of people miss miss it when they I think people are putting maybe the cart before their horse when they're trying to fix statism without addressing how we treat each other. Absolutely. And even in our even in our non and things that aren't directly violent. So obviously right. communication is not violent, obviously, but <laughs> there's a certain, you know, this is one of those things that's like, but there's a, but there's a. Uh, something that seems to be trained in our into our culture or into into mm-hmm. the the way we're brought up and everything, which is to make, uh, which is to have a win or lose attitude about mm-hmm. a right and wrong, win or win or lose, and there has to be like a winner or a loser in, in discussions and and in our relationships with other people. We're trying to win and get something we want, and, that's, and not and, and one person wants to dominate and get get what they want at the expense of someone else, right? Right. Yeah. It's, and so, nonviolent communication is trying to address that. And approach a communication from a from a really from a, a ground up different way. Yeah, and so. it's often described as kind of a win win thing where everybody uh, can get their needs met. Um, and just a little bit about it: it was started by this guy uh, Marshall Rosenberg. He's a clin- clinical psychologist, and uh, he's uh, basically he grew up in Detroit during this time when there were all these race riots and stuff, and people were killing each other. It wasn't it wasn't safe to go outside when he was a little kid. And so this question of why people would would do this uh, was on his mind, like basically his whole life. And so he became a psychologist and uh, and later he um, sort of developed this system of communication to address that that fundamental question that he had been wondering about so much. And uh, basically the the idea is that feelings uh, stem from needs and there are these uh, universal human needs that everybody has and they're common to all human beings. And uh, if you feel negatively, that means that one of your needs is not being met. And when you feel happy, you know, positive feelings, happiness, joy, uh, that kind of thing, uh, gratitude, that that stuff, um, your needs are being met. And so uh, it's about it's about basically um, using empathetic connection with other people's feelings and needs, as well as with your own feelings and needs that may or may not be getting met uh, to get to get what you want. You know, and, and I, I, one thing I like about this is it's called nonviolent communication. So right off the bat, you think, well, this will be good for resolving conflicts. And, things. Yes. and certainly it is. a That's a key aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But what I've noticed more than anything else about this communication is that it's, it's really about just more effective communication. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you talk the way the, the examples I saw, because I watched the entire seminar online. Oh, cool. Was yeah. Um, yeah. It's he, enthralling. Marshall, Marshall Rosenberg enthralling. has this workshop that he put on YouTube. 
And we actually have it on our website on, on porktherapy.com. Porktherapy.com. If you go there, it was about three episodes back that you can see nonviolent communication. And if you follow that, uh, if you follow that link, you'll see the the first of uh, first episode of the video mm-hmm. embedded in there. And you can follow that through to the whole seminar and watch the whole seminar online. I was enthralled by it. It's a several hour long seminar, but I, I couldn't get away from it. Cool, cool. And oh. he, what I find is that, you know, when someone see you know, he uses sort of a Socratic method to get down to what is the basic mm-hmm. need that someone's trying to get met when they're fighting with someone yes. and then, and they don't seem to be coming to terms and they don't, there's the, a lot of that is really about understanding people better. Like what, why do you, why are you doing this? And if you get, you know, drilling down to the basic need that's driving it, because I think right. a lot of times someone who's doing something, acting out in a way that's threatening to another person or something, it's, it, there's it, sometimes they might be trying to fulfill a need in an unhealthy way or something. Yes, it's a tra- he calls it a tragic uh, or unfortunate expression of unmet needs. Right? So okay. I I feel outside the circle a little bit. I don't haven't heard this pork therapy episode nor watched that seminar that you spoke of. So in a nutshell, can you can you give an example of what a nonviolent communication would be compared to a violent communication or whatever the opposite would be? Sure. Uh, for people who aren't going to go and look this stuff up. Sure. Yeah. Uh, or, so you want to let's do a role play, Dale. You want to oh, okay. do this? Oh on dear. The fly? Okay. I'll try. I can try. <laughs> right, I'll get my clothes up. Oh no! Wait. Um, <laughs> oh, well, Dale, you always talk too much on Free Talk Live. I, you never give me a chance to speak. Why do you always? Why are you so controlling? Um. So, so Stephen, do, do you feel that you you, you seem you seem upset? Do you feel that you are not uh, that you need an opportunity to express yourself more? on yeah. the show and that that need is not being met. Well, yeah, by my yeah, that behavior. is that is how I feel. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that, you know. Yeah, it, it's Dale I, Dale is guessing at uh it, so I'm I'm yelling at Dale. Trying to figure out why she's upset with me and make sure I understand completely. So she the, the thing is she she's like we have um, to do to women all the time. The the thing <laughs> is like uh she she um you can kind of that's not that was not too hard to decipher, right? What you're trying to do is drill down to what are they really upset about and what need of theirs is not being met. And, right? What, and, are you and, feeling a lot of times this what'll way? Because sometimes what will happen is there'll be a specific incident someone will address, yeah. and they'll be really upset, and it seems like, oh my god, why are they so upset? And then you start finding out that this is just, you know maybe that's just one thing that represents maybe the fact that like like maybe one of your roommates feels like that uh, that that you're um, they feel kind of out of control because you're not. You're doing the dishes doing enough. Yeah. What if I'm not doing the dishes enough? Right. Then what? And and you might think they're being silly because well, what? Are you, why are you making such a big deal about the dishes? Right. And then you can, if you communicate them with them effectively, you can find out there's a whole lot more to it than that. Like maybe there's 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 a it, it comes down to some feeling of being out of control because right. Are you, you know, feeling? Are you feeling annoyed because your need for cleanliness is not being met, or your need for order, or something? There, there's a yeah. if you go to cnvc.org, which is the Center for Nonviolent Communication, there's a like a list of uh, of all the universal human needs that Rosenberg like lists in his book, and then there's um, a list of feelings that you can kind of refer to, uh, and it, it's a little bit helpful like in guessing uh, how people feel, but. I guess the idea is to. Um, it's hard to drill it down to, when I watched three hours worth of seminar until really. <laughs> yeah, short I'm still time, sort of lost. Maybe. Well, the idea is to empath is to um, empathize with another person, well, and the way to do, to to build that y- y- empathetic bridge is to guess at why they're feeling. It. Are you feeling this way because this need is not being met? And even if you're wrong with that guess. Just the process of guessing is reflecting empathy towards them, and so they're more likely so to empathize. So would I be close in saying that instead of exactly going for what they're saying you're sort of going for the trunk of the tree 
Yeah, yeah striking at the root. About yes, you're trying to get the, down to what branches. It, well, because people we get we get into uh, attack and defense mode. Like someone makes a someone makes a judgment. You're supposed to avoid judgment. You're supposed right. to listen without judgment, and and figure out like, look, we're both we're both right. We're going to get to that. We're going to find a way that we're both happy. But so, um, you're not becoming a doormat. You're just being empathetic. So right. We'll get into that more. Okay, so call in at 603-435-1105. Tell us what you think at Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. There's a, you can go to vbs.freetalklive.com and get on our forum and talk with other fans of the show about anything and everything. Anything's on the show or things not on the show. Anything, uh, liberty-loving people all over the vbs.freetalklive.com forum. This is your host, Dale Burke. And Ryder. And Stephanie. You still have time to get your call in if you call right away at 603 435 1105, we were just talking about nonviolent communication and trying to convey what's the, it's, it's, it's so different than the way people communicate now, I think is what it, is what it gets so down to. So different, it. Because yeah. Because it's, a lot of it is trying to, uh, is trying to, uh, it, it, it can take a while to, to learn this, I think. And you can always be getting better at it. I, don't, I think it's a skill. I don't think it's, yes. a, you just figure it out and you start doing it. Um, oh yeah, I learned and, a couple months, not even a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And ever since I, credit goes to Wes Bertrand from uh, Complete Liberty Podcast for letting me know about right. this. Right, he was on, he was being interviewed on Pork Therapy about this. That's, that's right. That's how we found out about it. Yeah, and, and Wes is a is a psychotherapist. I mean, he's like he's really interested in psychology and stuff and, and communication uh, and all this kind of stuff. He's a really root-striking guy. And so when he found this and told me about it, I was uh, intrigued at the beginning. But then when I actually started trying to apply it, um, of course, I, I wasn't doing it perfectly uh, because, you know, we're taught this very different language when we're growing up. But it's been a work in progress. But I've been really... Uh, impressed and uh, encouraged by some of the things that have uh, that have happened since I've started trying to put it into practice. That's cool. Um, yeah. And I think it really has implications for liberty activism, too. But uh, sorry, I interrupt you, Dale. No, no, that's that's fine. I, I agree. I think it's, you know, it's it really is sort of applying libertarianism to relationships in a sense. It's yeah. like, you know, because, uh, you, you know, even though your communication isn't violent, per se, it's still, it still can be co- sort of aggressive. And again, it's like we, we think in terms of win-lose. We think we're always judging people. Mm-hmm. We're, we're doing a judgment on someone, which and that's it's not to say your judgment. I don't think it's to say your judgment is invalid necessarily. Mm-hmm. But but the point is, if you want to have an, if you actually want to have an effective resolution and, and effectively get along better with people, then then you have to. Then what you do is you find is you talk about what both of your needs are and find out how to satisfy both of your needs in a way that you're both happy with and you don't have a winner and a loser. You don't if you go into the argument like I'm going to use nonviolent communication to win this argument, then you've completely <laughs> missed the point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the, that's what's that's what take, I think takes not just skill but willpower is to fight that that and that desire that we've been trained to have to, to win have- a discussion. Yeah, right. to have the enemy imagery of another person, because like sometimes when you have a conflict with some someone, you get stuck in this mindset of thinking, oh, they're they're just a jerk. They they'll never listen. You know, they that you make all these judgments and accusations about them, and you know sometimes that prevents you from seeing them as a human being who who has the same needs and feelings as you, but maybe is expressing those unmet needs in uh, an unfortunate way. And so once you realize that, that those actions, that anger, the blaming, the shaming, the, the guilting, whatever 
is just a result of a tragic expression of unmet needs, then you can start to see them as a human being and build that empathy. And it takes it takes that skill to like when they're making judgments of you and calling you names, they could be calling you names. They could be angry. They're raising their voice. They're doing all these things. It's awfully hard to not like, uh, you know, and what he points out in the seminars, like mm-hmm. you, you feel what you feel for your own reasons. You can, no, someone cannot mm. make you feel a certain way. Yes. You're responsible for your feelings. So and, you can, yeah. so, and that, but you know, again, that's a skill you have to learn because we certainly yes. are, we certainly, it's certainly been beaten to our heads. The whole notion that, you know, that we certainly, um, allow people to say things to us whether we allow, you know, we don't, we don't, you know, that's, that's. Yeah. I mean, feel like other people's actions can trigger a response, in sure. you, but they can't control your emotions. They can't make you uh, feel something or do something. And, and again, understanding stuff like this is another way to, 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 again, you know, not take it so personally when, like you said, you call, I like the way you called it a tragic a uh, tragic expression of unmet needs. A tragic expression of unmet needs. And and yeah. another way I would have looked at it, say, from a Quaker point of view, is 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 my whole thing is you can love anyone. The first the 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 the, the skill you have to develop is learning to be able to forgive people. Hmm. Like you, you can you know how, your your capacity forgiveness for forgiveness is also uh, is like a key foundation to being able to love other people that you might not otherwise be able to feel love for mm-hmm. because they don't see they don't seem worthy of your love. If yeah. you can forgive them for the bad things they've done, then then it makes them worthy of love, and then you can love more people, and it makes you a happier person. That's hmm. sort of my whole take on that. But yeah, um, and when you <laughs> another thing is like I don't know. I think a lot of people hear about this and they think, oh well. Um, I, I've had a couple people say to me when I've explained this, well, you oh you're just being way too nice. You're being a doormat, and it's, oh, no. it is not that at all. I mean, when you get in touch with your own feelings and needs, you assert your own needs. You say well, that's my, an important my part need of it. for this is not being and, that. And, and 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 he talks about cases where someone because someone was trying was being nice and just and just conceding all the time, right? And because they don't want to fight, yeah, uh, th- that just builds up and builds up and builds up until you snap. Yes, exactly. And that's what you don't want to avoid. And that's why I said and, and when you say it's it's called nonviolent communication, but I also think of it as just more effective communication because you're actually mm-hmm. communicating more effectively what it is. You yeah, know, you're with striking other people. at the root. And, and part of that is sometimes sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it means it means telling someone the truth, even if that's painful for them, because it's going to be worse in the long run. If you say, mm-hmm. you know, you need to, but you can express it in a way like if you, you know, like he gets he talks he talks about some cases where someone he gets down to the need that they have. Yes. And when they express it in 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 a in a really honest way, he says. Um, then, then, and the has the, and the other person says, well, I cannot, I'm sorry, I, you got to find someone else to meet that need for you. I can't do that. I can't meet that need for you. Right. And I'm sorry, but, and that's brutal honesty. Yeah. You know, he, he talks about the person that says, well, what does love mean to you? This need for love that you have, please define what you mean by love. Cause that's such an ambiguous term. Right. Right. And, and, and when they said, and, and, and they said something defective and, and he, and he, and he did the Socratic method again and they got mm-hmm. down to, they wanted do you, I want you to love me. I want you to know what I want before I know and to, and to satisfy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and that's what it really came down to when it was drilled down far enough. And, and he's like, I'm sorry, I can't meet that need for you. You're going to have to find someone else that can meet that need for you. Right. And, and that's, that's the whole thing. Like and that's ultimately honesty. it's brutal, but you're observing um, a feeling and then you're stating the need that that feeling stems from. And then maybe you can make a request to get your need met or to try to get to meet the other person's need. But it's a request. And, and when you say you're making a request, that means you accept that it's OK for the other person to deny that request or to say no or whatever. Um, but this runs into a lot of problems, I think, because you guys are advocating for brutal honesty. And we live in a world where uh, brutal honesty doesn't work a lot of the times. And I would say specifically in the workplace, 
Uh, well, if you have a boss yeah. coming up to an employee giving a really demanding request, maybe rude, I don't think it's going to work out so well if the employee snaps back, not snaps back, but responds to the boss. Are you talking to me that way because you're actually insecure about me being a threat to your job in the future? I don't well, think that's no, going to no, work. No, out. that's you, not you NBC. Just screwed up. You yeah. said insecure. Okay. You, you, you just said, well, no, no, you said insecure, which is a judgment. Right. That's a diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. That was a diagnosis. Okay. And, uh, you know, again, what are the skills that you have to build up in this along with, you know, not allowing other people to manipulate your feelings, you know, being in control of your own feelings and stuff like that. One of the skills is, is to be able to listen without judgment. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to do. And it's admittedly, you know, the, 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 the it, he admitted that was a very hard thing to learn was to not be, we're, we're, you're already filtering what people are saying when you pass judgments like that. And, you know, yeah. Are you insecure? And to, state, to say things as kind of like uh, neutral, observable facts. So like, let's use your example, Nick, at the workplace and say your boss comes over and is yelling about something. What's, what's the boss yelling at about? Uh, you, you didn't you didn't pay enough attention on on your last uh, report. Okay, so the boss comes up and says, is, "You didn't is fill it out that, completely." So, so you say, um, "Okay, I notice you're, I notice you're annoyed, or I notice you're, uh, I notice you're yelling, or I, I notice no yelling is a judgment actually. <laughs> I notice that your your voice is raised. Are you feeling annoyed because uh, your need for?" Uh, what would it be consideration or uh, respect or something like that is not being met? Um, I notice your hmm. or I notice your your voice is raised. Are you feeling annoyed? And then they'll say, "Well, yeah, I'm feeling annoyed. You didn't you didn't do what you were supposed to do." And then you know. Well, I think it, it like it gets down to like I would my my what I would be asking about is mm-hmm. you know does this making you feel out of control like something like out of control because. Mm-hmm. These reports are your way of, of checking up on things and making sure everything's in order or, or something like that. And yeah, are are you um, needing um are you needing more presents from me? Are you needing uh mm. are you needing mm, I don't know. <laughs> you It's yeah. it's interesting too because like, you know, it may, it may very well be that you you know, you just didn't do you know. I think that like like the 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 question is is this not something do you feel like there's a breakdown in communication there or is it like do you feel like you did a good job on the reports and they didn't? Then right. you would want to use nonviolent communi- communication to drill down to what is it they really expect from you, you know? Yeah, and, and I mean, you could even ultimately in that conversation, I guess you could even at some point, uh, if you don't feel that you've been recognized, you could say, uh, you know, I'm I'm needing more recognition. I put a lot of work into this project. I spent all these late nights doing this. And, yeah, uh, if you felt like you did what you were supposed to do and you didn't, then obviously there's a breakdown in communication of expectations, right? Right. So that find out what the need is, and that, that means more effective communication about what is it exactly that he's really upset about. Yeah. So interesting. Um, so the, uh, this has been Free Talk Live. This is your host, Dale Burt. Ryder. And Stephanie. Uh, be sure to tune in tomorrow night. Uh, this is Free Talk Live.